What's happening, guys? Welcome in to the latest OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are checking in for your Wednesday episode. A long episode, maybe a record-breaking long episode here, as we are going to eventually replay a fantastic episode of Garage Beers, where I was on the show with the fellas, Mike and Chad, and then our own Andrew Spade joined as well, and it was a really fun roundtable discussion about the draft, and then we also had in the middle of it a great interview with Brown six-round pick Mike Woods, uh, so you need, you know, stick around, and check that out. Well worth your time. If you're looking to just jump to the interview with Mike Woods, check the description of this podcast as it will have the detailed timestamp of where you can find that interview with Mike Woods. But you should stick around for everything else because I think it was highly entertaining. A lot of good thoughts on the draft. Well worth your time. Reminder, as I always do, as we lead off these podcasts, things that are up on the OBR today uh, would have been your Tuesday. Uh, you make sure you go back and check these out if you missed them. Just an update from Andrew on Baker Mayfield and where things can go from here. That's available. My favorite thing of the day is why Jadevian Clowney's return is so important to the Cleveland Browns defense. Our own John Stephenson took his time to write that. It's a film room analyzing the strong side defensive end position, what Clowney does well in that position, how he can give a year or two to help guys like Alex Wright, Isaiah Thomas develop before they take over the role. And I just really loved how he laid out what Clowney does, his skill set, and why it's so important, and why obviously there is a hope that the two sides will reconnect. Then otherwise, the GM chair series by our own Jack Duffin kicks off. The first episode of this focusing on running backs and fullbacks is a free read as a tease to those of you who do not have a subscription. And at this point, you should have a subscription. Take advantage of the the awesome stuff going on at the OBR for subscribers for a very cheap monthly rate that supports good journalism. Take advantage of that. You can read that GM chair. That's up and available for you. We will have film rooms coming out this week. Martin Emerson, Alex Wright. We will obviously get to David Bell by the end of the week, and we will continue those over the course of the next month as well. And then the Browns reaching out and hiring Catherine, uh, I think it's Roche, to the uh, front office. That's going to be... NFL huge news, a high-ranking front office member who is a female, and it's awesome. We talk about this in the podcast here with Chad, Mike, and the guys. It's a fun topic. The Browns are on the forefront of doing some diversity hires and obviously bringing women into very important roles in their organization, and they do deserve credit for that despite everything that has gone on around decisions to bring in a new quarterback and the things that surround that decision. So, Check out everything at the OBR. There's a ton of great stuff up there. You obviously have the Daily Newswire that Barry McBride writes that covers everything in the Brown Circles. Take your time to read that. But for now, it's a two-hour episode here. It's pretty long. But I do think if you have something long, a drive, a workout, or whatever, this is a very entertaining episode. So check it out. And again, if you're looking for that Mike Woods timestamp, make sure to locate that exact time in the description of this podcast uh, as well. So thanks guys for checking out today's episode. Let's get over right now to the latest Garage Beers episode. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode number 115 of the Garage Beers podcast brought to you proudly here on the OBR's Twitch channel. Uh, if you're not following the Garage Beers podcast on all of our socials, go do it at the Garage Beers on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere everywhere else. But make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter. The more that follower count goes up, the easier it is for us to get awesome guests like the one we have coming up a little bit later. But make sure you're following the show. And uh, we also want to send, again, a huge thank you to the OBR. Uh, and uh, being a part of that team, make sure you are subscribed to the OBR Twitch channel. Uh, we appreciate those of you that have done that, just like here in the comments. Uh, 
Trenton eight. Uh, Trenton and eight subscribe to the OBR Twitch. We love you for that. Be like Trenton and eight subscribe to the OBR Twitch and subscribe to the OBR website as well. Make sure you are tuned in to all of that. There's a lot of good stuff that happens there. You get rumor central, you get info from the insiders and you get all kinds of great articles hosted by some of the smartest people, uh, that follow the Browns. So make sure you are tuned into that as well with you. As always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe at Garage Pierce, Mike, and with me, there are a couple of different faces. We are waiting on Chad. So I, I got to give Chad a shout out first. We are waiting on Chad. He will be here momentarily. And our buddy Joe, this is a busy time of the of the year for him. So our buddy Joe is going to have to miss out on another one, but he'll be back next week. So joining me tonight, talked a lot about the OBR. These are a couple of our OBR brothers. Uh, first, uh, he's in the corner for me. I don't know if he's in the same place for everybody, uh, but it's Jake Burns at Jake Burns 18. What's going on, Jake? What's up, guys? What's going on? Happy to be here. You know this. I know this. Everything. You know this. Everything's good. Unwinding from the uh, travel west coast, getting back into a normal flow here. But everything's good, man. Everything's good. Love it. So Jake is over there in the corner and then down at the bottom of my screen. Uh, Again, you know him from the OBR, more of a recent addition, but he's doing some killer work. Uh, uh, all kinds of Browns coverage. It's Andrew Spade online at Nick Fantana. Andrew, welcome into the Garage Beers podcast. Did we lose him? Andrew looks frozen. He is so frozen, man. He's, Andrew is so frozen in time. In time. It's so what's uh, what's the word? Where are you at? You're traveling right now, right? I am traveling. I'm always traveling. So I am uh I'm right in between Baltimore and DC. How was Camden? Camden Yards, if you've not been to a baseball game at Camden Yards, you should if you're a baseball fan because yeah. Camden Yards is a beautiful place. Uh and so we had a good time there last night. I'm a little a uh, little riding the tired bus a little bit today, but you know what? <laughs> when I can get up and uh, and know it's podcast day, and know we're doing the Garage Beers podcast, I love it. So uh recommend if you've not been to camden yards check it out well we had a great guest on man i can't wait to share that with everybody a little later well yeah so uh to preview that again uh we'll get andrew back here uh as soon as he gets that connection figured out uh and again chad will be here momentarily uh so i'm gonna actually put off the beer thing for a minute uh, until those guys get back um but uh yeah we are going to do an awesome round table here on the episode we're going to talk about the browns draft all the picks that they made and in just a little while, when we get to it, when we get to talking about him, we had brand new Browns wide receiver Mike Woods from Oklahoma. He was a six-round pick. He joined us a little bit earlier. We're going to play you that uh, that interview in just a bit. You don't want to miss it. To say that Mike Woods is excited to be a Cleveland Brown is a an understatement and a half. And mm-hmm. so, uh, just like his college teammate, Perry and Winfrey, he <laughs> is very excited. Maybe not quite that level. Uh, but you're going to want to hear what Mike Woods had to say. He is awesome. So, Jake, why don't you and I just start while we wait for Andrew, while we wait for Chad. Uh, why don't you and I start here uh, just kind of now that the dust is settled, right? You, you get through the draft weekend, Saturday, the dust settles. Now you got all these, like, winners and losers and who grades trades and who grades the draft this way. How do you feel now that the dust has settled uh, regarding what the Cleveland Browns did last weekend. Yeah, I think they did fine, man. I mean, like they, let me put it this way. I think any draft in which the first pick of your draft is pick 68, you're probably not going to get the best grades. 
and you're probably going to be a little disappointed on missing out on the 67 picks in front of you, right? So that element is definitely there. So for what they for where they were picking, gathering picks and what their goal was to do here, I thought they did pretty well. We'll talk individually about all of them. I did not find my there was one spot at which I was surprised they didn't do something. And again, we'll talk about it here in just a minute, but Otherwise, I thought what they received in trades and all of that met really well. They won most of them based on the uh, Fitzgerald Spielberger chart or whatever that is uh, in the JJ chart. I thought they did really well gathering value on all of their trades. Again, just one spot that I was surprised about, but I did not have a problem with what they received back from it. So I thought they did for where they were picking what they needed. I think they did pretty well. I don't think you could answer all of the issues we think need answered still by picking where they were picking right throughout the draft. It just, right. It's hard to find those guys with where they were picking. So again, but I, I like the guys that the guys that they ended up getting could definitely be the answer still. So plenty to uh, plenty to be determined. And again, we're going to go through once we get once we get Andrew back. I'm trying to give him a minute to get back. And Chad just texted me that he's setting up. So hopefully we see him in a minute. Uh, but, uh, again, if you want to throw in your input, uh, the more active the comments are, the more fun we have, we'll get your comments up on the screen. We'll talk about your questions. If you got questions, things you want to talk about, we will get you back. Uh, but like I said, I introduced him before. And as soon as I introduced him, his face just froze on the screen. Yeah. Again, you know, him online yeah. is Nick Fantana, Andrew Spade, Andrew, welcome to the garage beers podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, that was a fun five minutes of running around my house, figuring out why my internet turned off. So you just went, your house just went dark. Yeah, we went, we went full uh, 1975 over here for a few minutes. Yeah, <laughs> is it that, was a thrill. Was that, was that pre-electricity, 1975? <laughs> I, well, no, the electricity's fine. It's just I had no connection of any sort to the I outside world. Terrifying, <laughs> frankly. Terrifying. I, I don't recommend All it. the things you missed. Yeah. All the yeah, things the, you the, missed. They traded time. Mayfield, right? Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God. I, you almost read one of those books behind you. Can't let that happen. Do Can't not let, let that happen. happen. <laughs> no, those are those are for show. I bought those at a flea market. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. just it makes you look so smart, and yeah, I thanks, appreciate man. that about thanks. you. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be here. So, Andrew, Jake, uh, Jake didn't have a beer in the house, but mm-hmm. you and I, you and I are going to carry the garage beers of the week segment. It's our favorite segment oh, of the week where we're going to crack open a beer and let the people know what we're drinking. Let us know in the comments what you are drinking. Uh, we'll throw that up there as well. And when Chad gets here, we'll 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 let him fill us in. But Andrew, I always let the guests go first. Mm-hmm. So what what's your beer that you brought to the show with you tonight? I have got a uh, Samuel Smith chocolate stout. So vastly underrated. Yeah, it's uh, it, I, I'm in Wisconsin. It's a colder day. It's been raining all day. It's in the 40s. So you know, normally this time of year I'd be in a spring mood, but uh, we have got a uh, we've got a chocolate stout to to warm to warm ourselves. So cheers. Cheers to you, buddy. Then mine's going to look very similar, but it's in a weird, big, fancy bottle. Oh, that is uh, fancy. So this is from Mortalis Brewing, which is apparently just one of the best breweries. I have not had it yet. I went to a beer store, and the guy was like, you got to try this. If you want to try a crazy beer, you got to try this one. So this is the NYX Imperial Stout Brewed with Coconut. Nice. And so this is going to pour like... Um, oh, yeah, that's pouring like velvet. That's like uh, maple syrup almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there it is. Do you like my uh, fancy cups in the hotel, <laughs> by the way? 
These are my fancy hotel cups. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Is that real plastic? That's made with real plastic. Holy wow. God. Man. That, that is crazy. That's an 11% beer, so that oh, makes Oh, okay. Well, Mike will be sleeping for the second half of the show. We're going to be having fun here. <laughs> well, we're going to be having fun here tonight. But, uh, yeah, that is – you can taste the coconut, but it's real boozy, too. Like, it is mm-hmm. one of those big, thick, boozy stouts. And so I'm going to try not to drink that too fast mm-hmm. or else we're going to have problems here. Uh, again, let us know what you're drinking in the comments. Paul Spencer, our buddy, the Substance Ale, uh, Bissell Brothers Brewing. I uh, hope you're enjoying that, Paul. I know we ask you to stay up way past your bedtime being a cranky old man that you are. Uh, so we appreciate you always staying up with us. Uh, and so, guys, I will say this. Before we jump into the draft, some people are already hitting us with questions. And I feel like I'm okay with with getting into a couple questions. Uh, uh, so we'll get into the Browns drafted a running back. Obviously, we will talk about that. But Bonfire Ensemble here said, any idea the strategy of announcing Felton's move to exclusive running back? So why? I, I think the question is just getting at why do you think they decided to make that announcement? I guess I don't know. I don't know. There is no there is no strategy behind that that I know of. I mean, they have five guys right now who you could roster at, at the running back position. So to me, the decision to say that outward, and who knows, it might not have been on purpose it could have just slipped out right like i don't i don't know but but to me there is no real great strategy behind it i mean i think we can all deduce that if the right trade offer came for kareem and and uh dearness that they would be on their way somewhere else but it hasn't it hasn't come to fruition I, I again i don't think there's some grand plan behind it at least as far as my small brain can think of it's just they think he wants to they think he's best suited to be a running back and they're just going to put him there from now on and try to utilize them in that regard. So they tried him at wide receiver some last year and didn't necessarily love what they got out of him out there to, enough to trust him. He's pretty good on screen stuff. So when he's out there, he can run some some screen game things. As we all know, I think he scored a couple touchdowns off of screen game stuff uh, aligned in, the, in yeah. the slot. So he'll get some of those opportunities. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything grand here. Just, hey, we think he's going to be a running back for us and we're moving him there. Yeah, that spectacular touchdown in that Houston game too, man. That lit yeah. that lit that lit everybody on fire, and then we didn't really see much of him for the rest of the year. I think I think Stefanski kind of walked that back a little bit in the post draft presser too. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that it got a lot of run when that scout said it after the Ford pick, but uh, Stefanski, I think after the draft said, you know, he's in the running back room for now, and he could go back to the wide receiver room, and they like his flexibility. So I don't think. I don't think he's ever going to be pigeonholed in one position or the other. I think he's, I think they see him as both. I'm going to try to find that quote while you're, while we're on the topic, mm-hmm. kind of scrolling through the questions. Jerome for, we really think Jerome's well around. Okay. There it is. So the question was uh, on Demetric Felton, potentially spending more time in the running back room, being focused on that position, given he spent the time working with running backs and wide receivers last season and area scout, Max Paulus's comment during the draft. Stefanski's response was, I think Dimitrik and Max, uh, I think with Dimitrik and what Max is alluding to is he has and can spend time in two different rooms. And that is, again, a credit to Dimitrik. We'll be smart about how we do it over the course of the next several weeks. At the end of the day, we've talked about this. Dimitrik's a football player, so we can certainly spend time with the backs and then just see how it shakes out over the next few weeks. So I think you're right. I think they're walking that back a little bit, but I feel like we'll have a better picture by like before camp based on what he's saying. Cause there's it's a couple comments about the next several weeks. Right. Yeah. So 
Um, maybe they'll determine if the guys they drafted, if they think David Bell or Mike Woods or one of these guys that they have signed from the free agent market, they think are good enough to do it. They'll probably keep him as a running back. If they think they need his depth at wide receiver, then maybe they'll shift him back out there. But yeah, this, this comment here definitely, um, changes that because it was follow-up question of, of whether it would be likely, will they need to trade one of their current running backs given the number of talented backs in the room, limited number of carries available. Barry said, um, I would say we'll deal with it day by day. You don't want to go to camp with a good number. You do want to go to camp with a good number there. And I think it's an area that we think not only do you want to have quantity, but quality. And we feel that we have that. We'll see how it shakes out. We have five months before playing. So we'll see what the future holds. So, I mean, it also could just be as simple as they don't want Chubb or Hunt running between, you know, January and September. Like they don't need to practice. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Good yeah. point, guys. So listen, uh, we'll get into I we, we'll kind of recap some of the positions, too, after we talk about the draft. But I do want to get in to the draft. Oh, no way. All right. Good news. Good news, everybody. There he is. He's here. Chad Meyer is in the building. Garage beers, Chad. Chad, man, you made us wait. But, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, as they say. So, hey, Chad, what's going on, man? I don't love the lack of response. <laughs> that doesn't bode well. Can you hear us? Yeah. Man, the technology. Like there we yeah. go. Chance gone. All right, boys, we're just going to get into it. Once mm. I see that he's looking all right, then we'll get him in here. Uh, so let's start at the beginning of the draft. We had a great time on the OBR. Uh, we had a, a, a killer show going with a bunch of us. We had a ton of fun. The draft went bonkers in the first round. At about the, what, ninth, tenth pick, all the trades start happening, all the wide receivers start going off the board. Everything was crazy. Uh, but as we moved on towards the end of the first round, we started to wonder. You saw some of those guys, some of those names that had been associated with the Browns still sitting on the board. We started to wonder if there was going to be uh, any movement. Uh, now that you look back on it and you look at the names that were sitting there before the Browns, uh, you know, uh, especially in the first round where there were, you might've been looking at a trade up potential range. Um, are, are, is there any, is there any bit of you that thinks, oh, I wish they would have pulled the trigger on something? No, go ahead, I don't, I'll go, I'll go after you. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I thought that the, the two names, you know, for me that, that would have justified a trade-up would have been Traylon Burks or George Karloftis. Uh, I guess Karloftis probably got into range, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, it seems like they, they would have still had to go up to the mid-20s to get him. And uh, I think it's pretty clear from the trade down at 44 that they were looking at this draft as more of a, an opportunity to kind of stock the cupboard with, uh, you know, cost-controlled guys for four years, not as interested in adding like a right-now guy. So, um Burks was probably the guy, at least from my perspective, that would have, you know, been worth the squeeze. But, you know, that that uh, Titans trade of A.J. Brown, you know, kind of closed the door on that because they had to take him at 18 when they got into that spot. So that early run of wide receivers kind of did for the Browns. I thought one of the smartest things somebody said on Thursday night was imagine if the Browns had been sitting there at 13 and you watch London go eight, Wilson goes 10, uh, you know, uh, Olave goes 11 and Williams goes 12 and the Browns are sitting at 13 with Burks or nobody, that would have been a nightmare. So uh, it's, you know, from that perspective and from the perspective that they have their franchise quarterback, glad that they traded that pick, but uh, yeah, I, I'm happy with uh, staying put and, and not trading into round one for sure. 
yeah, did didn't feel the need when Karloftis kind of went there around thirty. Like that was that was kind of it for me. You were never going to get up far enough just be, by sheer definition of not having enough ammunition to get up to like inside the top twenty. It just you couldn't do it. So um, yeah, to me, no no problem with how they handled the first round. I thought it was fair to let it come and go. You know, and and for me, I, I there was this little thing in my head. We talked about it. I think uh, the night of the draft where normally you wouldn't. You would say, oh, maybe if the perfect situation exists. But with this, with the Browns front office and the way they do things, you you don't normally see a lot of, like a big trade-up to go from 44 back into the first round, something like that. You wouldn't expect it. My question was, with the move that they made for Deshaun Watson, it very much feels like, okay, we're throwing the chips into the center of the table. And and I, I wondered if we'd see a little bit of a philosophy change. In fact... We saw the opposite of that. We saw very much what we're used to seeing from Brown's uh, draft picks or Brown's drafts past and present. We move out of the first round. Everybody's excited night two. We didn't get to watch the Browns pick anybody round one. Everybody's excited. Pick 44 is coming up and then boom, all of a sudden the Browns trade the pick (laughs) to the Houston Texans to get some of that draft capital back from the Houston Texans and the Browns trade out of the second round. And so the Browns give themselves nothing in the first or second rounds of the draft. So when that happened, uh, when I'm looking and I'm seeing who was available at 44, you're looking at guys like uh, John Mechie and Pickens and uh, I don't, is it Ojabo? I never know if it's Ojabo yep. or Ojabo. I always think it's it, a hard J. Hard I, J. I, I want it to be a hard J, but I it just feel like J. I always say it wrong. Uh, Sky Moore, those guys were still on the board at 44. Uh, actually, Mechie went at 44 to the Texans. Uh, so uh, when you look back at at kind of what they got and and where they were, are any of those guys that are on the board guys that you think, oh, I would have rather seen them take that guy than trade back in the draft? Well, I mean, like, yeah, I, I could have stomached someone like Sky Moore. I could have stomached John Mechie. I could have I could have been fine with any number of guys. I mean, I mean, Ojabo, too, even though he would not be a big part of this season obviously he would have been fine i am not like i'm not the guy to come up and proclaim like these guys made a terrible mistake they can't i can't believe they did like i let it play out because much like the draft itself is a crapshoot for the most part like so is the analysis of the everything around it so i try not to make too many crazy hard stances on these things what it told me is that they're they are not in as big a win now win like they they view Watson he's 26 they view him as a guy who clearly is going to be around for 10 years or so right like and they think Miles is young and Denzel is young so we don't need to Von Miller Matt Stafford this thing we are gonna we see ourselves with a window now and a window later like we think we're gonna have a window again like the window is long we're going to continue to gather assets here and continue to build a roster and we'll see what happens. Like, I don't think they're all in by any there. They make, they make some moves that indicate that they're trying to really push the limits of uh, the salary cap. But for the most part, to me, they have shown a, a willingness to be now and later, like they're not going to mortgage the future of all their drafts beyond what they did to get Watson. They're not going to mortgage it all to, go back up in the first round and get George Karloftis. Like he's the singular missing piece that determines whether they get to the Super Bowl or not. So, you know, I think there were plenty of guys that pick 44 that could have solved some things. 
But at the same time, I get the idea that they think that they can still go get some veteran pieces, uh, you know, Clowney included, because they didn't feel the need to rush up there and pick an edge that could make an immediate impact. They went a little later on that, and we'll talk about Alex Wright in a little bit. But, yeah, to me, it indicates what they continue to talk about, which is this is like an expansion draft. We're trying to gather assets. We lost assets in the in the trade to, for Watson. Let's try to gather a couple of those picks back just to have a shot. And I didn't end up having a problem with it. They got really good value in both of the trades that they made. So I'm okay with what they did. And I, I like the guy, some of the guys they came out of this draft with, I like a lot. I mean, there's a really good chance here that David Bell is one of the better wide receivers in this whole thing. You know, it's just, it's possible. It's very possible. So we'll see how it shakes out. So then we get to what we all waited for, for two rounds. Luckily for us, it came early in the third round because that pick they got from Houston was pick four in the third round. And so now we finally get to our first player that we get to talk about. And just like last year, uh, amidst all the speculation and all the wondering what the team was going to do, Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski and company go out and get who they felt was the best defensive back on the board at that point in the third round. And that was Martin Emerson from Mississippi State, uh, a cornerback. Uh, you know, we, we, I think we just should learn at this point that they, the, what the value that they place on defensive backs uh, and having good defensive backs, it, it's about as valuable as any other position to this front office. And uh, so were you guys surprised, Andrew, were you, were you surprised to see uh, uh, Martin Emerson come off the board to the Browns in the third? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, yeah, Friday night, we were all pretty surprised. There was a general sense of, uh, well, okay. You know, and then you look at the details of the player, just kind of what the scouting reports say. And he's, uh, you know, feels like the scouting reports kind of consensus is that he's a zone only cornerback, you know, that can't really run too much. Isn't that twitchy. And, uh, you know, it, it, it starts to feel like, Oh, this is a, you know, this is a little bit of a disappointment. I think Dan Brugler had him as a fifth round player, you know, so to take him at the top of the third round, you know, you went from thinking about players that could, like we were talking about, that could step in and play right away to a guy that's a cornerback that probably won't see the field this much, that much this year. I mean, this is before the Troy Hill trade, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I think there was, you know, that first first blush was disappointment. Um, I think, you know, the the one thing that that comes across the, the more you think about it is that, uh, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna have, you know, last year they played all five of their cornerbacks. I mean, they played guys that weren't on the roster at the start of the season. So, right, you know, that that depth is always valuable at that position. And so, when you take a step back and think about it as like a team building thing. You know, Andrew Barry always talks about being an expansion franchise uh, when it comes to player acquisition. It makes a lot more sense. But in the moment, yeah, I, you know, there's a sense of disappointment, I think. Jake, are you feeling that same disappointment? And 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 if so, what do you think that what do you think that the, the scouts in the front office saw uh, with Emerson that made them say, no, this is the guy we want? Well, obviously, Emerson played into the decision to later let go of Troy Hill. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that he is not by virtue of, you know, one equals one stepping in and playing the slot, but giving them the option to move other people into the slot. So I think their plan was if they had a corner graded high and you were at the point of good value, they were going to take him. They did that. It was not a name I expected, but I think if you believe this guy's really going to fit and you think it's going to make you a better secondary to the point that you think you can get 
something back for Troy Hill of value before he leaves at the end of next season, then, you know, I, I have no, I have no problem with it if they think it's going to make their secondary better. I mean, it was not a position we we're expecting. We have continually talked on the dueling mock shows throughout the off season from the beginning that there's never enough corners. You'll, they'll take a corner every year, just a matter of when the biggest surprise was when they took the corner more than that. They took a corner. So your first pick everyone was expecting to be a defensive lineman or a wide receiver. And then when you're like Martin Emerson, that's weird. Never, I would imagine like 90% of Browns fans hadn't even heard of that guy. Right. So that was a, that was a huge thing about, you know, is it, if you haven't heard of the guy and it's a position, you don't think they a need or B um, you expected them to take. then yeah, there's going to be disappointment, but I don't care about draft night disappointment, man. Like be a good player. If he's a good player, then nobody will care. Right. Like yeah. nobody will care. So um yeah, I, I, I have, I've studying him. I've got some stuff coming in the next day or so with his film. I think he's a fine player. I think he can fit what they do defensively. And I think he can give them uh, flexibility in their, in their secondary. And I think that'll work out well for everybody. It should, we'll see if it translates onto an NFL field, but it should work out pretty well. So um I'm, I'm okay with it from my perspective, not the home, not, not a wow pick. Right. But just, uh, we'll see it. Uh, you hope it ends up being a guy that can be productive for them. And I think he's got a good chance to be productive for them and help We're other gonna, guys be better too. I'm going to see, I, he looks really disappointed because you should be able to hear us in the waiting room and something's going on with Chad's thing. So Chad, can you hear us or no? He's punching buttons. Yeah, he can't he's, hear. <laughs> he's trying to figure it out, but he cannot Working hear. Control it. panel. Uh, listen, we had a question in the comment from Matt Dennis too. Matt Dennis said, "Did Mike Woods come on already?" No, Mike Woods has not come on already. You did not miss anything. We're going to get to Mike Woods in the sixth round, and when we get to him, we're going to play that interview you, again. You do not want to miss it. Mike was awesome, uh, but uh, he'll be on in just a little bit. Uh, so, again, a, a surprise. Martin Emerson, a big physical dude. Uh, he's going to look a little different. Uh, than Troy Hill, especially if that's where they get him lined up uh, in the slot uh, and they kind of want to take it from there. Uh, he's going to look a little different because Troy wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but Martin's a much bigger human being. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see if what they saw in him it can translate onto the field. Uh, they had uh, another pick just 10 picks later, and our buddy Corey was absolutely ecstatic about this. You can actually see. Oh, hold on. I got a thing. It says we're good. Chad, are you good? hi yes hi chad hello there he is hey well look at people have been wondering where you are yeah everyone's been asking where there's there's a podcast welcome Mm -hmm. to it yeah i'm part of this show too guys it's believe it or not (laughs) yes Hi, hi everybody hey so before we get to the browns next pick chad what beer are you drinking Oh, uh, I'm doing a Conway's Great Lakes. Oh, good call. Conway's. Nice. Woo! Never had it before, but it is a, a smooth beverage. It is delicious. Uh, Bonfire Ensemble wants to know, Chad, are you in his actual garage? I don't know. Come on out if you are. One way to find out. Or is Bonfire Ensemble inside your house? I, he very well could be. <laughs> All right. So we were just we just got done talking about Martin Emerson and that first pick, Chad, uh, that they made in the third round, the cornerback. We're moving on. The uh, if if judging by Corey, our buddy Corey from the OBR, judging by his reaction, you would think that they just drafted like a first round top ten player at round three, pick fourteen. That's Alex Wright, the defensive end from UAB. 
again, you do see this sometimes uh, with schools like UAB where they get really good players that just don't get drafted where other schools will have players drafted just because of who they play and who they are. Uh, but is Alex right? Is, is Corey right? Is Alex right? Maybe the most, one of the more underrated players in this draft. And were you guys, were you guys that excited to get him on the roster? Well, I'll say this, I'll say this for Corey, like Corey there's okay. How many times have you watched the Browns draft and you've got a guy in mind? Love this guy, really like him, and they pick him. You know, it doesn't happen all too often, really. Uh, it just it just doesn't. It feels like the Ravens do it every time. Guy you like, they pick him. But like for the Browns to pick the guy that you really like, and imagine where Corey was like, Corey was early in on him, like he was preaching about this guy being a top 100, top 75 talent, and then some guys started to do it. Like Dane Brugler ended up putting him inside his top 100. And so Corey was in early, did a ton of work, actually sat down and interviewed him um, for his show at yep. one point, and then they end up picking him. So it's almost like they're having your child, right? They're like, they're, it's like that type of euphoria of like all this legwork you've put into saying, this guy's good, this guy's good, this guy's good, showing it, talking about it, and then they pick him, and you're like really pumped up. Because I think that's how most of us felt, the feeling you got around like the Perry on Winfrey pick. Is, is where we're all like, they need it. He's a good player. It meshes up, and this is great. They actually did it. That's like Corey times 10 because he studied the guy and spent a lot of time talking about him. So I totally get where Corey was coming from. I like the pick at pick 78. I think it's a lot of good upside. He's got the, um, you know, I think I, I talked to, to Brad Ward about this on my show yesterday. You have to dominate. If you're not going to be a power five guy, which he's not, Browns tend to pick power five conference guys. You have to dominate that level. So people will be like, well, was the, does the level of competition concern you? And I mean, it's like I said, hey, man, it's not playing in the FCS. He's still playing Division One football here. But, like, he's, you know, he's he's got to dominate his level. He did dominate his level. He's got the frame, the body type, the athleticism. Yes, those things are all checks. Can he – he's going to have to, come to, to step up a level of play. That's going to come with some things where guys start taking away the things he does well. Can he can speed, can he convert speed to power? At this level, you have to see that. Can he get some counter moves to people taking away his original rush plan? We'll see that. But the frame, the arm length, the body in general, strong through the torso, the production metrics, pass rush, pass rush win rate was really good. All of that is a really high upside pick 78 situation to me. So I'm fine with it. I think it, it, it's a good pick. I mean, shooter, I mean, but don't get me wrong, shooter. Uh, I know what you're saying about the garage door, but uh, listen, there's a nice, cool breeze. There's a light rain going on behind me, but it's it's nice out. But uh, to piggyback off that, Jake, yeah, uh, but it's understandable how, you know, a fan who doesn't really watch a whole lot of UAB football, I can't imagine a lot of people in this area have, but yeah, that is the kind of, uh, but in the third round, those are the kind of guys you're looking for, right? I mean, upside, yeah. it wasn't it, and wasn't it just, what, a year ago that UAB didn't even have football? So it's understand why, uh, understandable why a lot of people wouldn't know a lot about Alex, right? Right? Yeah, it would. I mean, their program was in shambles a few years back, and and um, again, UAB in and of itself does not scream NFL prospects all the time. I mean, if you're thinking of one guy from UAB, most people probably couldn't pick one. Like Roddy White was a UAB guy a long time ago back right. in Falcons, but like, there's not a there's not a plethora of UAB guys coming out. So um, late bloomer who ended up staying close to home and all of that stuff. And that's how he got hidden there. So 
I really think, um, you know, like we said, it, he is to me the highest boomer bust prospect here. He has the lowest floor, but he has the highest ceiling, I think. So we'll see what shakes out with that. But like I said, there's a lot of elements to really like here with this, with the young man. He's still, he's young too. He's under at the draft time. He's under 21 years old. So that's another element to like a ton. Andrew, imagine taking a guy like a defensive end, uh, the Alex Wright, that, you know, Jake's calling him boomer bust, a boomer bust player. Imagine the Browns bringing Jadevian Clowney back mm-hmm. and letting this dude on, on a defensive end yep. play with Miles Garrett and Jadevian Clowney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, could you walk into a more perfect situation for a guy like this? No, I mean, I from from his perspective, it's it's got to be a dream come true. To I mean, I think that's kind of what Winfrey was going crazy about. I know we'll get to him, but, <laughs> you know, that's what he was going crazy about on Saturday, right? It's like, Miles Garrett is one of those guys, right? And I think Clowney is too. And so to get two of those guys and to learn behind them, you know, that's got to be a dream come true for any of these college guys. The one thing I'll say about the Alex Wright selection, and honestly, I think it's true of all the Brown selections, is like when you're picking this far back in the draft, um, casual draft fans, which is where I would classify myself, um, you know, a lot of these guys you haven't heard of. When when Jake said earlier, Browns fans hadn't heard of Martin Emerson, I raised my hand because I had not heard of Martin Emerson. So it's a little bit different, right? When you've got, we're, we don't have a first round draft pick until, you know, 2033 or whatever. Uh, you, you're not going to know the names of these guys. Cause you know, the, the, the big juice guys come off the board in the first round. So it's going to be a little different and there's a little bit more trust involved with that. And so not just with the, for the front office either. Like I trust Corey's opinion. He's, he's a smart guy. Right. So if he's in on Alex, right. He gets that excited. I'm happy. That's all I need to see. I don't need to know it for myself. You know what I mean? Oh, I thought, Ch- Chad, you looked like you were going to say something, but then you just stopped. You went real close to your microphone, and then you just stopped. I just, li- I just like to keep it here in case, you know, in case I do have something. You juked me out. You juked me out. So, the Browns in the third round, after having no picks the first two rounds, the Browns have, uh, they take a cornerback off the board, they take a defensive end off the board, and then another pick in the third round, at the end of the third round, one of their one of their comp- uh, compensatory picks. Uh, and this is this is where I think a lot of people got excited especially those of us that live in Big Ten country, Ohio, or the surrounding areas, Andrews in Wisconsin. Uh, if, if you live in Big Ten country, whether you, are, whether you are a Buckeyes fan or not, you probably know David Bell because David Bell was one hell of a playmaker for the Purdue Boilermakers at the wide receiver position. And a guy that didn't get talked about a lot because there were so many good wide receivers, especially in the Big Ten, you had two, two top picks for the Buckeyes, you had John Dotson at Penn State. The Big Ten, the Big Ten was loaded with good wide receivers, uh, but the Browns, with pick thirty-five in the third round, pick up David Bell. Chad, I mean, we haven't. Chad, you and I haven't really even talked about the draft much because I've been on the road and it's been nuts. Yeah. When you saw them take David Bell off the board, what were, what were you thinking? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I it, once it got past, um, you know, the Christian Watsons of the world, I, I just I didn't know who I, I didn't know who was left. I knew this. Uh, class was a, a deep wide receiver class, but I was like, "Oh God, what names are left? What could, what what could this be?" But, but then I but then I saw David Bell was still left on the board, and I got really really excited. I mean, a, a, a very savvy player. I mean, speed. It, you know, it, it's important to have speed in the NFL because you know, speed and space has a lot to do with today's NFL game. But when you're a savvy player like David Bell is, and you could just get open, that's how he does. He figures out ways to get open he like he he counteracts his speed by playing smart and and that's exactly what he does i mean you saw what he did against the 
what, top five competition three different times uh, at Purdue. And and he set the world on fire in those three games. So I, I think this was a, a really, really great find here at, at pick 99. I think that's a was – it, was it a compensatory pick, 99? Yeah, that was yep. the Quasi pick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was this was an incredible find for the Browns there at uh, at, at ninety nine. David Bell being left, and I think the only reason that he didn't get you know much more credit was because he play, he plays at Purdue. You know, if if this was at an Ohio State of the world or or I don't know a, a, any top team in any other conference, I think he would have got a lot more recognition. I mean, I know he was the Big Ten wide receiver of the year, but it's kind of overshadowed by Alave and uh, and uh, and Wilson. But I I think this I love 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 this pick. For the Browns uh, at 99. Jake, where do you feel like David Bell fits in on the field with the Browns? When you're talking about the wide receiver room and who they've got, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, where do you see Bell fitting in and playing on the field? Yeah, so I think people have tried to tie him to Landry, so I've tried to really make this clear, in my opinion, that he's more Higgins than anything else. He is a similar player to Richard Higgins, but faster. So he's a 4.6540 guy, but to me, the 10-yard split is the difference. When he really gets to his top speed, he's pretty strong. His 1.56 10-yard split is a full tenth of a second faster than Higgins. So he's he's better at that. That's almost an that's almost a, a, an elite number. It's borderline elite. It's pr- for for wide receiver comparisons. And here are some guys, according to Mock Draftable, who his his size and athletic testing profiles match up close to. Just guys, a guy that I think is particularly interesting is Robert Woods. So if you get Robert Woods out of that version, you like it a lot. So he's a hit to me. He's Richard Higgins, but faster at top speed, craftier coming into the NFL, more nuance, more more polish as a receiver, and a far superior catch radius. And ability to make plays outside of normal, uh, yeah. The package just got delivered there, huh? um, but <laughs> Amazon delivers all hours of the day anymore, man. I was like, you. I didn't, I do not um, have an Alexa in, or an Echo <laughs> in my hotel room, but I feel like I just got a notification for sure. So, anyway, back to back to Bell. Like he's he the things that, that people are thinking, like, well, he's a slot or whatever. So. His three-cone and 20-yard shuttle were not good. So that tells me he's an outside guy. He's 6'1", 212. That's a pretty big body for an outside guy. Not tall, like 6'4", size, but he plays bigger than that in the fact that he goes up and gets the football. He takes the football away from people in catch-point scenarios. He is able to, to, to contort his body in different ways that matter. He plays bigger than the height number is what I'm getting at. So I see Rashard Higgins, but better at almost every part of the football game. So... If you tell me we all liked Pete Richard Higgins in terms of what he was able to do here, does that mean 400 or so yards more a game with a good quarterback? And then you are sorry, 400 yards a season that turns into a thousand yard receiver. So you can see where this guy can be pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it's all these nice, he's over nine inch hands. The arm length is strong. The wingspan is in the upper half of a uh, comparison wide receiver. So, you know, there's a lot of things to really like about even though the testing wasn't stellar, uh, there's a lot of things to like about him. So I think that there's a really nice chance that he can figure this thing out at, at this level. And especially, too, coming in with better quarterback play helps uh, immensely. So that that will be a factor. So, Andrew, our buddy in the comments here, A.F. Pierce, has been talking a lot about Amari Cooper, different different size players. 
Uh, but uh, the first question was Amari. Was Amari a burner coming out? Because I don't think a lot of people remember Amari as being a burner, and he certainly doesn't really play like one. He was and a four four two guy, but the ten yard split wasn't as good. He was a one six two ten yard split, so that makes it he's slower top speed. But he started better. So the thing for Bell is, is he just a poor forty yard dash start guy? Like he can't, he can't, he doesn't start well down in a crouch stance. Like there's a lot of elements to a forty yard dash that you could be bad at, but doesn't really matter for the actual game of football. So there's yeah. give and take there. D- D- Cooper was definitely more explosive. Like Cooper was a ninety fifth percentile twenty yard shuttle. And yeah. an 87th percentile three cone guy, way more explosive overall. So, but that again, that doesn't necessarily with with how Bell plays mean that his NFL life is over. He can do things. He's still fine. So, and, Andrew, it's, uh, Pierce says it seems like Bell could learn a thing or two from Amari. I feel like you could pretty much say that about any wide yeah. receiver that's going to be on the Browns roster, right? Definitely. It's one of the benefits of having Amari Cooper. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something the Browns have done intentionally. Uh, over the years, they've uh, cer- certainly under Andrew Barry, they've focused on adding veteran players at positions that can mentor uh, the younger players. I mean, that's what Anthony Walker is there for. He's there to teach JOK. There was a piece in yes. Building the Browns last year about Malcolm Smith and how much he taught JOK and Jacob Phillips and those guys. And so that's something that they're big on. I mean, I, I think that's across the roster. And uh, I think one of the things that probably appeals about Amari is that he's a technician, right? And so guys that are technicians can usually can explain to other guys like this is how I get a good release and those sorts of things. And so if Bell's not the fastest guy, if he can pick up some technique stuff that makes him faster. I will say too, they here's Amari Cooper. They're going to look so similar. Amari Cooper, six, one, two, 11, David Bell, six and seven, eight. So six, one, two, 12. They're yep. identical size guys. Wow. Wingspan 76 and five, eight for Bell. Uh, we I actually don't have a wingspan for Cooper, but his arm length was 31 and a half, 31 and seven eighths. They're going to look identical in uniform. And especially funny, I don't know if the Browns will bend on numbers this year, but you could have Cooper wearing number two and David Bell wearing number three. So it could be kind of funny in that regard. But there's some parallels there. You can see why those guys would be interested in him in, in general. And yeah, they, they, like Paul said, it's a great football name. Gotta have a good football name. Elite football name. My question is about if we're comparing him to Higgins, is about the end zone celebrations, right? Oh well. Yeah, well, Higgins is undefeated there. That's just what I mean. So just didn't get there enough. So, <laughs> hey, if Baker's still you around, celebrate can he celebrate. Slide score. in real smooth and celebrate, yeah. even if he's yeah. on the sideline. Maybe he has a bell. Maybe he can like pick out a bell to like ding. Yeah, maybe Ooh. Martin Emerson could bring the cowbell from uh, Mississippi State. Yeah. And now oh, we now we got I something like, going. Like Let's leave that shit at Starkville. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes. Chad, the important question came from Paul Spencer in the comments. Said David Chad a Bell's- cowbell guy? Is, is Chad a cowbell guy? I'm sensing he's a cowbell guy. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I, got a, I do have a fever. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul Spencer says David Bell is an excellent football player name as well. Don't underestimate that. I may disagree with Paul Spencer here, Chad. Uh, I feel like David Bell is very much a baseball player name. That's because there was a baseball player named David Bell. That, that's yeah. cheating. Yeah. It's not cheating. It's not cheating. He's Whoa. cheating. Oh, is, Man. David, is David's dad named Buddy? <laughs> oh, no. <Yeah>. Is it? <laughs> uh, all right, so the Browns wide receiver room uh, gains a little bit more clarity. If you're here to see an interview with another new Browns wide receiver, hang on for just a minute. we got a couple picks before we get to them. Uh, but a little more clarity there. Schwartz, Cooper, uh, DPJ, David Bell. Things look a little better. 
shout out in the comments. I just saw this. Like I said, subscribe to the OBR's Twitch channel. Like our buddy Eric Grover just did for seven months in a row. Thank you. Shout out to you for the subscribing there. Uh, so now we get to two back-to-back here. Actually, I think those three picks, including David Bell, I think that was the first one that I think a lot of people got really excited about, not named Corey. Uh, so David Bell was very exciting. And then round four, day two, pick three, comes in. And people were clamoring for him. I had mock drafts. We were doing mock drafts where this guy was being mocked in like the second round. And here is Perion Win- Perion Winfrey from OU. Big, strong, uh, hoss of a defensive tackle. And and the Browns select him. And I think he immediately becomes one of everybody's favorite players. I mean, the, it, it, the elite level media availability that Perion Winfrey has had so far uh, he has got the whole city pumped up. Like we want opening day to be tomorrow to watch Perry on Winfrey. This is a guy that gives you a lot of passion. He gives you, he's loud. Uh, he is strong. He is a one of us guy. He's definitely a one of us guy. Is he barks. He, he barks. Big barker. Yeah. Is yeah, loves he to bark. going to be able, loves Bob too. Big Bob fan. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to match on the field with his intensity, his passion, and and all the things he's saying off the field? That's the question. Well, I'll say this. I think it's the single most elite football name in the class. I'm just gonna oh, put for it out sure. Um, Puts David anyway, Bell as Jame. Yeah, I like I mean, Cade. I thought Perry Winfrey was a left fielder for the Royals. Uh, <laughs> I thought Perry on Winfrey played polo in the 20s. So, you know. Um, mm, anyway. Winfrey, yes. <laughs> <Perry on> Winfrey. <laughs> um, <laughs> of the Stratford Winfrey. <laughs> he's, let's put it this way. He, I would, he's fun. He's energetic. I would temper your expectations. He is a role-playing pass-rushing defensive tackle who could still have a very big impact. I think he's got a lot of potential, but I think that there's some things he does that will drive coaches crazy. I think there's going to be some undisciplined things, the way he plays, and can he always do what he's asked to do as a defensive tackle, or is he going to play a little bit crazy, uh, a little bit out of control? How they harness his energy that we've all seen, an all-time post-draft interview, like, I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't believe what I was watching type of post draft. Like the people interviewing him. <laughs> I don't know how to say this without sounding wrong, but like, <laughs> it's like when you go and you're around people that you've never met, like they sounded so out of place for this guy. Like he <laughs> was talking to them in a different language and they could not decipher how to ask him questions. They just did not know how to handle it. One, one of the so, reporters asked him if he was in the airport because he was walking yeah. around so much. <laughs> yeah, they they did just go back and watch it and 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 focus in on like the questions they were asking and how 100%. awkward it was and how he had to answer them. But anyway, it was an all time one that that reels back into him saying that his parents were dogs and when they conceived him, and that yeah, is why he is also now a dog. Yeah, that's just um, yes, woof. it is. It is mm-hmm. woof, uh, mother effer woof. Um, uh, so anyway, I think he's got some nice parts of his game he's got strong hands he can really bull rush he will make some plays that pop he, he reminds me of a higher energy larry ogunjobi he will do some things with bull rush and club rip that'll be like man 
he can be really, really dominant. And then there will be times that I think Joe Woods will want to pull his hair out. I don't think Joe Woods has any hair on his head, but he will make Joe Woods a little crazy because he doesn't anchor run fit the way he needs to anchor a run fit or take on two guys at the point of attack and that undisciplined stuff, which popped up at Oklahoma uh, could come into play. But if they harness him and he can, you know, really learn from those guys, if Clowney's around and then obviously, you know, he's very high on miles, uh, then then we'll see if there's another level he can get to. But at pick 108, it was, I think, right, guys? Like, yeah, man, I can handle that type of player who you're taking a shot on that if he harnesses it, if he continues to develop technique, he could be a really, really long-time player. And they could use effort at that position because sometimes the guys I watch playing defensive tackle, and that's ironic, I just saw Bonfire Ensemble just said the same thing, like, they yeah, need some he high. Just, energy. He just came in the garage and told me that, Dick. <laughs> like they need some guys who play with their hair on fire deep at the tackle. Like they need high energy guys there. So I hope that that translates for him. Pardon my ignorance here, though, Jake. Isn't that part of? I mean, isn't that a big part of playing the defensive line? Because your responsibilities on the interior defensive line aren't really wide, right? Aren't really that much, is it? Well, there's certain times, like if it's rundowns and you have to play a run fit, you have to take care of that. You can't go, you can't, you know, if, if you're getting a, a technique where the B gap is a moving B gap, he can't go backside because it's a shortcut and he thinks he can make a big play. If your responsibility on first down is anytime you're run fitting is to take care of two guys at the point of attack, have to do it. If he's pass rush contained, if your defensive ends are upfield pass rushers and you're on shock shed, and be able to disengage for a quarterback who's trying to step up and scramble out. You have to be able to do that. You can't get lost in a bull rush with your eyes buried and not see the quarterback moving around the pocket. It's just little discipline things that he'll have to sort of hone in on what they want him to do. We'll be able to tell you quickly in this year, okay, you can see where he's not understanding what the, and the snap count will tell the story. He is guys the most talented defensive tackle they'll have there I, I i don't i don't think that'll be a question for me but how he harnesses what he does playing discipline he had a, he had an offside issue uh you know several times at oklahoma so that popped up because he's trying to jump snap counts which cool because when you jump them it's great but if you're not you look silly and you cost your team yards and we know even miles can drive us crazy with that sometimes right so yeah, you got to take to, you got to take a little bit of bad with all the good. Though, well, right? with Miles can provide bit. so much good. If yes. he can give some of that good, you give leeway for it, right? So we'll see. I like again to the same thing with Alex Wright. I like the risk based on where they picked it for if this guy pans out. Like, watch out, man! He's a crazy attitude, over the top all the time. Plays hard, all in on the team. If it pans out, it's got a real chance to be like, how on earth did they get him at pick one hundred eight? So and again, like what, he was being mocked to Cleveland at pick forty four. Yes, not 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 months before. I'm talking a week or two before by by Jordan Reed, who I respect as much as anybody covering the draft. So he's talented. There's not a doubt about it. But it's I think some defensive coaches, and again, he struggled with academics. That's why he went to Iowa Western Community College. He did not qualify for D1 football out of co- out of high school. He went JUCO, went that route for two years, then got his stuff together, goes to Oklahoma, gets the grades right, does a, does really well at Oklahoma in his two years. He he was the the, the uh, number one JUCO recruit in the country, like Ohio State, Penn State, LSU, Alabama. Everybody was after him. He of chose course. Oklahoma, and you just co- you keep hoping that he can continue to 
develop, right? Continue to develop and continue to, to mature as a person. And if he can do that with the energy he plays with, you can see this being a Grady Jarrett situation. Like you can see it being like, I don't understand how Grady Jarrett slipped to the fourth round. Like I don't get it. But you know, we just this, is the same thing. this is the today. same thing. This is the same thing. I think uh, Andrew, we were talking about it before you, Jake, you talked a lot about uh, discipline and playing, uh, making the right plays. And that's going to be a question mark. Uh, for Perion Winfrey, Andrew, we talked about this before, though. When you have what is would naturally come with accountability uh, of playing next to, he was talking about playing next to Miles Garrett and, and yeah. potentially Jadeveon Clowney. When you're talking about the accountability of those guys looking at you and being like, you needed to be there, mm-hmm. you needed to do this. I mean, again, I, I know we talked about how it could help a, a defensive end like like Wright, but I mean, it's the same thing for Perion Winfrey. I mean, if if you're looking for a guy that needs to learn how to just kind of play a certain way uh, and maybe a little more disciplined, that's a pretty good situation to be in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, uh, you know, I think it can be mutually beneficial. Like, uh, I mean, Clowney and, and Garrett are both kind of laid back guys. I think Jake said earlier, I mean, Elliot and uh, Togi, I mean, the whole the whole room, frankly, is a pretty chill group. And so, you know, if, if this guy can play the same way he talks and raise that temperature a little bit in that room, bring a little more intensity and he does too. He does and get a little bit more intensity yeah. out of the other guys in return. That's, you know, yeah. e- even above and beyond his actual play on the field, that could be a, a, a large contribution. He plays hard, man. Like he really does. But sometimes, sometimes playing that way, you can lose track of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I guarantee he got into the interview process and he rubbed some teams the wrong way. I just think sure. his, general aura how he approaches things the way he talks all of that might not be something that every defensive coach or gm or whatever sitting there thinking we mesh well with that guy we we mm-hmm. we, we we believe that he'll fit well with what we do i could see him not interviewing that well based on how some personality types look at things so again i do think it really and i'm not doing the brown uh brown and orange sunglasses here like i, I do think that he he will at least be a respectable defensive tackle that could ultimately not get to a second contract because he drives coaches crazy, doesn't play disciplined and some of that stuff. But if he maxes out to what he is, he could be very good, man. Like he could be a lightning rod defensive tackle who rushes the pass, like the passer really well. Uh, Think of like, um, like a Fletcher Cox type of like a type of a, a type yeah. of defensive tackle who that plays would be hard nice. roles, you know. So, but that's the ceiling. You're talking about ceilings and basements, and that's where you kind of have to, you know. We all talk as we're all so you're so excited around the draft, and you believe every guy is going to be what they're supposed to be. But you know, like I like to paint the picture of this is how they fail, but this is what they could be if they maximize every element of their their skill and personality and maturity as they grow older. Cause that's what they're doing. They're so young, man. They're so young. Who they are at 21, Yeah, you know? So you got to hope all that stuff falls into place. And the good thing is Mike and, and Chad, you guys, I'm sure can agree. And Andrew, they have the Browns have an actual core of leadership now, especially on defense, John Johnson, maybe Clowney's back, but miles, absolutely. Anthony Walker, like, Hey man, we don't do it that way. This is how we do it. You do your job. We love your energy. We love the juice you bring Do your job. It'll all work itself out. Love it. All right, we're going to move on to the next pick because I do want to get to this interview. I don't want to make people stay up too late. Uh, I want them to be able to watch the interview with one of the newest Browns. We're getting to that very soon. But again, in this in this selection, these three picks here, the third one that rounded out that people were just going crazy for. 
Chad texted me. It's the one pic Chad texted me about. I'm walking, <laughs> I'm walking the streets of Annapolis, eating crab cakes and fresh crab and having the greatest time. Oh, Again, sick look, brag, Mike. Sick brag. Hell yeah, it's a sick <laughs> brag. Deal with it. Drinking good beers and eating fresh crab. It was great. Uh, later on, uh, the fourth round, you get Perry on Winfrey. You've addressed the wide receiver area. You've addressed the defensive end area, places that a lot of people were saying these are areas they have to address. And then you address the the area that we all wondered if they were going to and it and when they would do it. And they become the first team to take a kicker off the board in the fourth round. They nab Cade York from LSU. Cade York is stuff of legend down there in LSU. He has got a an absolutely monstrous leg. Obviously, everybody watches the, the the video of him kicking through fog, a 57-yarder to beat Florida. Everybody loves watching that. But he was really good all the rest of the time, too. Um, I think my favorite story about Cade York is that they, they didn't let him handle kickoffs because uh, he just would kick the ball out of bounds too much, like kick it into the stands. And and his, his like leg was too strong for kickoffs, so they had somebody else handle kickoffs. I think that's one of my favorite stories. But Chad, I don't know, man. You texted me right away when Cade York came off the board. What got you so excited about that? But then we finally have our kicker, guys. I mean, you just keep you you just have to, like Tim Bielek said last week. You, you know, you you just you have to keep circulating these kickers until you find the guy. And I mean, by, by all indications, with with Cade's track record from college, it would appear that we. <laughs> it would appear that we 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 have our guy. I'm just excited. I, I mean, we have. When was the last time outside of Phil? When was the last time we had a guy that seemed like he was automatic from 50 plus yards? And that's what and that's what Kate York uh, basically is. Uh, I mean, it's I, I that's a, that's what I'm excited about is because we've had kickers have played such a big part in in a lot of the Browns' wins and losses. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> losses, losses. Mostly losses. losses. That's what I meant. Losses. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have a guy where it's almost I, – I can feel confident in that when he's going to go out trot out on the field, 55 yards, 57 yards, screw it. He's going to make it. I, that's what I'm excited about. Well, and you're well, – you're, 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 I mean, you're selling yourself short, Chad, but you're a kicking scout. I mean, that's your that's your full-time job. Yes, he's got a great uh, swing to his leg. <laughs> pendulum. We'll call it the pendulum. The pendulum. pendulum. Yeah. Uh, he gets incredible air underneath mm-hmm. the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would talk about his drop, but that's punt scouting. I, yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give you my I'll give you my full report. I, I uh, later, guys. But I should have yeah. paid more attention. That's going to gonna be a, it's a solo podcast, right? Yeah, I should have paid more attention to the Troy Anderson ask that we had on the uh, you know the draft party the other night, the Montana State fly fisherman that uh, <laughs> we were talking about. But yeah, I, I'm just so excited for Kate York. That's all. And, okay, so here's a question, a- Andrew, Jake, you guys chime in on this because I've always wondered this because maybe I'm not thinking about it right, but it feels like kicking in college should be harder than kicking in the NFL because of the wider hash hash marks. So they're they're kicking from all kinds of crazy angles in college that you don't have to kick from in the NFL. The hash marks are like the light, the width of the, the, the uprights. So just kick it straight and it should kind of go in that. I know it's not that easy. Don't, I'm not stupid, but it, it always feels like it should be harder to kick in college. And we've seen it. 
Well, we saw it with Austin Cyber. We've, we've seen it with these guys that we thought were going to be the answer. And they came in here and they were really great in college. And then they weren't, they weren't good in the NFL. Is, yeah. am, do I have that wrong? Is it harder to kick in the NFL for some reason? Um, a lot of guys talk about the difference in the football that makes it, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta adjust to the football style, which is, which is something, you know, having, um, been up there a few times to Berea and and some overthrows have happened in my direction. I've tossed a ball back there and it's different. It feels different. It kind of like, it, it is all around just a weird feeling football. So, um, just, you have to get used to it. So there's some of that stuff, but you know, I think, I think you'll be fine. I, I continue to ask like people to be patient. Like, you know, it's nobody is we, the thing that the thing that's hard for people in Cleveland is we've watched our division. You have watched these guys, you know, Tucker, if we were in the NFC West, you wouldn't care. You wouldn't be as annoyed with it. But when you watch Tucker, you watch Boswell now for how long he's been with Pittsburgh and they have really figured it out. And Tucker is as automatic as it can possibly get you just get super frustrated. And we watched McPherson come in the first year and do what he did. And it's like, come on, man. So <laughs> there's, there's some of that at play, right? There's some of that at play and it's, it's exposure to the stuff that, that makes you angry. And um, I think York will be a good kicker. I think they need to be patient with him. I think he'll figure it out. The difference between him and Cybert is the sheer amount of talent. I think he's just a far superior prospect. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah and a couple other people that I really trust had him inside the top 150. Like, he can kick it. It's about can the stuff between the ears work out? That's what didn't work out with Aguayo. That's what doesn't work out. You know, sometimes teams get too impatient. Daniel Carlson, for example, out in Oakland at the time, or sorry, out in Minnesota at the time, they cut him too quick. He goes out to Oakland, now Las Vegas, and is just crushing it. I mean, he's just fantastic. So find talent and be patient with him. And if that means I don't think I don't think just because they have Cade York now that they're going to change how they go about fourth down aggression or any of that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't agreed. change anything, but they, they will now have a guy who has enough leg talent to make some of those deeper kicks. I mean, the Glofflin, Seibert, Greg Joseph, they just couldn't make those kicks. You couldn't, you couldn't see them getting to 55 or above and having enough leg talent to get there. I mean, they would flat out some of the, sometimes it would just be missed kicks, like missed literal line drive, missed kicks. He doesn't have trajectory issues. You, you, you gather that he's a really, a uh, really strong mental guy on the fly with, with any tweaks or issues. You know, they talk about that with golfers all the time back to Chad scouting here, but you know, <laughs> golfers being able to I- identify what's going wrong with their swing and, and, and not being able to fix it. What do they call that? Mid round, right. Being able to fix a swing issue mid round yeah. instead of going back, watching tape and seeing the issue. There's some belief that he's that type of guy seems like a really sharp guy. We'll see how it pans out. Nothing's ever guaranteed. Kicker's weird, but I have faith. Like, give the guy three years, man. Let him try to really so, figure it out and apply the talent. So, yeah, and – oh, go ahead, Chad. What, what was his shuttle? <laughs> yeah. Andrew, um, so it, 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 opened up, it opened up the floodgate conversation of, do you draft a kicker? Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of data that says mm-hmm. whether you draft a kicker or not, it's not really an indication of how successful somebody's going to be. And a lot of successful kickers don't get drafted. Yep. Uh, but do you, do you think like when you saw the Browns took Katie York in the fourth round, yeah. did you think, you know what, he's got the, he's got the potential and this is such a need for this team that it, this is worth it for them at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of the story of picking up the picks that they did too. Right. I mean, they traded down out of the second round, they picked up extra picks. I mean, this is one of the picks they picked up 
they traded down with that second fourth rounder to pick up another one in the fifth and then another one next year. So, you know, so they're adding assets that makes it less of a commitment. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, it makes more sense. I also think, you know, uh, I think you're right to say it's one of the areas of the team that needed an infusion of talent. You know, I think Andrew Barry said in his post-draft press conference, they want specialists that are young and on rookie deals. So, you know, that tells you that this is going to be something they continue to prioritize, whether it's a UDFA like Jamie Gillen or a draft pick like Cade York, they're going to try and save money at these positions while still having players that are talented. So I also just want to mention to uh, AF Pierce in the, in the chat, uh, NFL uprights are five feet uh, narrower than college uprights. Well, that makes sense. Then that's, that's me being stupid. Uh, now, all right, guys, I know people are, Oh, go ahead, Chad. No, I, I just had one last question about this. You know, Jake, you mentioned that, uh, that, that you don't think that it'll change their fourth down aggression plan. But say Cade comes out and, and just is, is, is accurate right off the bat, doesn't miss extra points, doesn't miss kicks, maybe misses one. I don't know. Don't you think that would? Because my thinking behind that is I understand the analytical part of the NFL. I understand analytics are going to be a big part of the NFL going forward. But isn't there still a human element to coaching? Like, for instance, the Browns were terrible at fourth down execution last year. But so at some point, don't three points have to matter? Like, like why? Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. Like, shouldn't shouldn't there be a mix like between the analytical side and the human element of coaching? Um, Yeah, I mean, somewhat if you've. I don't know. I, I see both sides of it. I, I definitely think that like if your quarterback is pretty bad, the way Baker was pretty bad last year, you start to think that we should probably Kick stop the ball. doing these. Um, but Kick, again, you're ball. trusting Chase McLaughlin too, who's not that. I mean, okay. So if you have Justin Tucker, your, your, your thought is like, kick on third. Okay. I would, I'll kick, he, he can kick, it's it's a lock, but you're sending out Chase McLaughlin, and you're like, yeah, you know, it's not really. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know what, like, let's send the injured I'd rather just there. risk it. Now with a better quarterback, to be honest with you guys, at the better quarterback, I want them going for it more. Agreed. I want them being even more aggressive to me, but like um, to, to the to an extent, like I'm uh, um, I'm okay with it if you, if you if he proves himself to be better, where you can start making competent, you can make some of those decisions. But again, you got to think everybody talks about about uh, you know these kickers of like Phil Dawson's. I think that the field goal post change happened like 2015, 16. Andrew, it was it was shrunk like around that time frame, and now extra points are no longer going to be they're no longer these chippies, these practice right. kicks. You talk about kickers all the time. Talk about how those those PATs used to serve as like these in game warm up kicks mm-hmm. for them. They don't get any of those anymore. There is no relaxation field goal or extra point anymore. So no. it's all pressure all the time. So those elements mean you have to be very, very tough mentally. And if you're not, you know, you're never going to make it. So there's, there's seriously, it's harder now than it was for Phil Dawson. Phil, great, phenomenal, loved him, but it's harder now. Yeah. It's just a fact. So, so we'll see if he can master it. So I know people are getting really excited for our interview, which is coming up. I know it's a little bit of a longer uh, show tonight, but we, you do not want to miss this interview with Mike Woods. He's awesome. Uh, but before we get to that interview, one more pick. The Browns in the fifth round, uh, after picking up Cade York, they come back and they they do what they have done, uh, and they they find a way later in the draft to pick up a running back. And they did it again. Uh, Jerome Ford, the question that this brought up, Jerome Ford, Cincinnati, 
uh, was a really, really good player for them. But it obviously brings up a question of Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, uh, Jerome Ford. Uh, what, what's what's got to give there? What's got to give? Because it, it, you're not drafting Jerome Ford to just bring him in for camp and then cut him. I think uh, the the sad reality is that Dearness Johnson is on the Kaderil Hodge path right now, which is they're going to keep him around. If somebody wants to give him something for him in training camp, they'll take it. And if they don't need him, they get to the point where they want to cut him. They can rescind his offer on August 30th, and he's a free agent. So I like Dearness a lot, and I you know he is a, a talented running back that should be playing somewhere in this league. But I think that's probably the that's the the exit strategy here. I mean, unless they trade Kareem or anything else. But I think I think that's how they get the numbers to match. Yeah, I think there are 31 other GMs in the league who have emails that say make an offer for Kareem or Dearnest. You know, probably. obviously Kareem's asking price is significantly higher than Dearnest, but both of them are available for the right deal. Um, the funny thing is, somebody there, the Hoff 0202, is asking for a Jerome Ford comp and. Greg Cosell, who I think is one of the best film guys doing it forever, wrote up a scouting combine piece on him and gave him a, a Kareem Hunt comparison, actually, um, wow. which is which is which is pretty ironic. And I can see it with how he plays and the way he's able to uh, the way he's able to do different things, you know, so uh, passing game wise. And, and he's a very much like I talk about how Kareem's a right now running back. He's downhill. He's reading. He's a great gap yeah. scheme running back. And that's really what Ford will be as a as a nice balance to Nick down the line. So and, 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 and he's your second back in 2023. Uh, we'll see what they do to try to see if there's value they can get back from one of the two very talented guys they have. My money sits it's like 75% Dearness Johnson, like Andrew is saying. And then if some team blows them away, a running back gets hurt, they lose somebody in camp, hey, we'll give you a two for Kareem. It could happen. It really could. A oh, two for or three, sure. and they would probably be into a second or a third in that regard. Hey, because listen, the Cleveland Browns traded Trent Richardson right. for a first rounder. So right. you never know what could happen. They'll let talent go, won't they? Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're capable. I think Ford's capable of being a backup in the NFL right away. I think Nick is better. Nick is better at pass reps than people give him credit for. So, you know, I, I'm not at all worried about what decision they make. Even though I'd love to have Kareem back, I don't think he makes or breaks anything this season, personally. Got it. All right. So that's going to take us to, uh, we're going to have a little talking break here uh, because we did an awesome interview with uh, the Browns sixth round draft pick, Mike Woods. Uh, and we are going to, we're going to go ahead and play that for you now. And then we'll be back after the interview to kind of wrap things up with the draft, to talk a little bit more and then get out of here. So uh, Jake, I think you had it pulled up. Uh, so would you hit him with the, uh, with the Mike Woods interview? All right, here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, now we're very excited. We are less than one week post-draft, and we are excited to be joined by one of the newest members of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, after after putting in some work during training camp and all that, hopefully you're going to be seeing this guy uh, running down the sidelines, catching passes, <laughs> scoring touchdowns uh, in the dog pound for the Cleveland Browns. We're very excited to be joined from the Oklahoma Sooners. It's Browns draft pick Michael Woods II. Mike, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, first first question, Mike. I mean, it's a whirlwind week, right? And you, you oh, go yeah. through the draft process. You don't know what's going to happen. You hear, you get the phone mm-hmm. call. Your name gets called. You're coming to Cleveland, man. What was that moment like for you? Uh, it was just surreal. Like, everything you work for, obviously, like, was for this. Like, literally, uh, junior high football, all that was for this this moment to hear your name. So, uh, it was just surreal. That I'm really who I used to want to be, so. Did you have an inkling uh, going into the draft where you might go? What teams might be really interested in you? What was what was that? What was the process leading up to the draft? Yeah, so uh, leading up to the draft, I mean, I pretty much knew it was going to be day three, um, but I, obviously, you never know. So, like, you could fall undrafted or anything like that. It, it all depends on how it plays out. So um, that's where I thought Cleveland showed a lot of interest real early. Like, it was one of the it was the second team that uh, had a meeting with me, and they were they they loved me a lot. But honestly, in the process, you got to take that with a grain of salt because no one's really going to look at you and be like, "I don't like you." So if they're taking the time out their day to interview you or something, they're all going to say that. So. Yeah, you know what? You're a real asshole. We think we're going to take you in like the sixth or <laughs> Right. Exactly. <laughs> no one's going to say that at all. Right. Well, I mean, and yeah. so many people, so many people, Mike, are so used to seeing on TV the first round, the guys that are at the draft, and and the suits and all that all right. stuff. For you, uh, you know, <laughs> you kind of had a feeling, you know, you like you said, you never know when somebody's going to jump up and grab you and going to put your name in. Mm-hmm. But for you, uh, you know, you kind of had the expectation of where you were probably looking at getting drafted. So, does that make it kind of a more relaxed weekend for you when you're not expecting to hear your name called and you're like dropping, dropping, dropping? Is it a little bit more relaxed? I mean, Are you able to enjoy it a little more? Uh, day one and day two, yeah, because I, I I was like I watched round one because I knew uh, one of my former teammates was going round one, so I watched that. Uh, round two didn't really watch, uh, and then round three, like I like round three didn't watch that. Like first two days didn't really watch, and then day three is like I didn't watch that either. But 
knowing that it could be coming and it may not come, it might come, like that was that wasn't as relaxing as the first two days. So, Mike, Mike, I want to ask you some questions about you as a wide receiver. Like, what, like, you come into the league talking to these guys' pre draft process. What do you think is going to translate well for you? Like, if you think you're making the Brown squad, making really envision it as a situation where you have a, I mean, like, to me, you got a ton of interesting skills, man. So, I'm just want you to put it in your words, like, how you think you catch on with this Browns team, what role you fill. Um, I'm just coming in ready to fill whatever role. But as far as what I think translates is my size, size and speed combination, the physicality I play with, uh, that's something a lot of the uh, people I interview with um, raved about was just the size and speed combination. And then the, uh, being able to run crisp routes and get open at the end of the day. Um, so I feel like I'm a complete wide receiver. So I think just that, being able to go in the slide and outside and be a three-level wide receiver, short, medium, and deep, I feel like that could tra- translate for me. Which part of the field do you like finding the most? Where do you find the most comfort? Um, really anywhere, but they put me on the outside a lot in college. So right now I would say the outside, but I'm, I'm good anywhere, to be honest. Yeah, that's what I was going to come at you with because, you know, the Browns don't they, – they lost their slot receiver, right? They're not a big 11-personnel team. But when they do it, they had put Jarvis inside. Now Jarvis <laughs> no longer with the organization as we sit here today. I would imagine you're looking at this situation saying, I'd like to get a crack at some slot opportunities, right? Do you have experience there playing the slot? Do you think you can do that? Is there an advantageous thing to you there having like a, you know, because when you're playing outside, you got the sideline to deal with and you got some of those mitigating factors. But inside, that nice two-way go can really help you. So are you comfortable with that? And do you envision yourself trying to get a chance to do that for them? Yeah, no, I love playing in the slot. Like, it's so much space in the slot. Like, outside, they right in front of your face. They, they, You can smell their breath outside. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I love that about playing outside. Yeah. And so, um, but being inside, you got a lot more room to work. You can be more creative, more crafty to get to where you got to be. Um, so, I love playing inside. I feel like, honestly, there's more free reign in there, whereas on the outside, you got to beat this man up in front of you my run to safety and you got the sideline, like you said. So I love both of them. No. Yeah. Another quick question. I'll throw back <laughs> to the guys. Cause I, I try to gear my questions. So football related sometimes you've, you've, you've been with some good quarterbacks, right? You've, you've floated to, to two programs between Arkansas and Oklahoma that have been good quarterbacks. I'm, I'm sure you're trying to wrap your mind around it. Deshaun Watson. That's a big <laughs> deal. That's a really big deal. What parts of how he plays quarterback, from what you've seen, are you most excited about getting with him and figuring out? Like, what parts of his game do you think translate well to how you play in the NFL? You think it's it's coming up? To me, he's just a, a competitor. Like, obviously, I watched him play at Clemson. Um, the coach that I played for at college coached him at Clemson and recruited him at oh, Clemson. Awesome. So we're good good friends. Or know him through that. So we watched a lot of the, uh, Clemson. They won the national championship. We all saw him when he beat Bama. Uh, I'm from the Houston area. I'm in Houston right now. He played for the Texans. I was a Texans fan growing up. So I watched him uh, watched him at Houston and just watching him play. Like he's the ultimate competitor. You never know. He don't like – he don't let people tackle him. Uh, great, great thrower of the football. Uh, he can run. He's smart. He can make adjustments. And so he's just an ultimate competitor and leader. And so that's what I'm excited about. So Jake's getting over here into like a lot of the X's and O's and the football talk. Here's what I want to know. I want to know a little bit more about Mike Woods, the guy. Here's this guy 
you're down in the Houston area. You're getting ready to come up to Cleveland. What kind of, what, what kind of person? Put put yourself into your own words. What kind of person is the the community, the city of Cleveland, getting? What should we expect out of Mike Woods, uh, both on the field and off? Mm-hmm. So on the field, I mean, you're gonna see me aggressive. Um, probably more passion than you'll see me on the street. On the street, I'll probably be a little bit more chill and uh, hi, how are you <laughs> type. Uh, but on the field, obviously, you got to bring something else out of you. So uh, I'll be excited and passionate and aggressive on the field. But in the street, I'll be calm, cool, chill. You can come up to me, say hi, take a picture, whatever. Uh, and so I'm actually excited to do that, too, with the, uh, with the city of Cleveland. So, um, yeah, and I like to chill. I, I, I watch YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. I play PlayStation. Um, yeah, I have a girlfriend. So those are the things I do in my off time. So <laughs> yeah, is that where uh, is the aggression on the field? Is that where because uh, you tweeted after your draft, you're like, I'm pissed, I'm motivated, and I'm hungry. Is that uh, where does that aggression uh, that that I don't know, for lack of a better term, pissed off come from? Uh well, um, getting drafted, it's a blessing and. Like, it's great to be here because I always wanted to be here. But at the end of the day, I haven't done anything and it doesn't matter. Um, it's just, it's cool to celebrate in the moment. But if you don't do anything after this, nobody really cares. Like, it's cool to look back, I guess. But uh, so that's what I'm excited about. And then I'm pissed because, uh, I mean, I was underrated. I have a chip on my shoulder. Like, and when I went out to the combine, um, that's how I was feeling. Because when I was walking out to the combine, I looked to the left, we was walking to the field and I seen the TV and it was like top wide receivers in the combine. And it was obviously people that weren't me because I was a day three pick. And so I'm like, all right. And so that like that fueled me out there and I feel like I had a great combine. And so slipping in the draft, I mean, it's cool, but I'm gonna see about I'm gonna see about everybody on that. So uh that's what I'm pissed about. Mike, had you had any had you had any experience with uh with David? Did did, did you know him? David Bell, before the draft happens and you guys come to the same team, do you have any idea or just first time meeting him? No, I, I haven't. I, I did not know him before the draft and all okay. that. Um, I went to the NFL PA Bowl for the, uh, for all the seniors and whatnot in Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, there was a kid from Purdue there uh, playing in that game, and he, he spoke highly of David Bell. So cool. um, that's, all, that's all I've heard about him, though. Yeah, I think you guys got some nice complimentary skill sets. Uh, I would one more mic and I'll shut up. I yeah. promise. Um, spe- special teams. This this is a this is a path. It's a quick path to the fifty three man. Like, you know this. I'm sure they've talked to you about this. Do you have experience on special teams? Do you enjoy doing that stuff? Using your speed, size as a gunner, kickoff team, things like that. Is that something you're eager to show them you can do? Oh yeah, um, being in the SEC for three years, you see how uh, important special teams is. Like, you play a team like Georgia or Bama. Like you literally play on their their side of the fifty yard line the whole game and it's really tough. So that's kind of where I seen the importance of special teams. And as I got older, they seen my size and um, the possibility of me getting to the league. So I was on all special teams. Uh, I didn't start on all of them, but I started on KOR kickoff return uh, and punt return. And so I really like punt return because uh, I feel like I have like a background in defensive back and I tell coaches all the time I can play DB. And so uh, when you're on the front line of punt return, it's kind of like DB versus receiver right there. Uh, so I really enjoy that. And KOR, um, I like doing that too. Um, and then kickoff and punt, I, I want to be on because, I, like I said, I want to play DB sometimes. So uh, I feel like I could tackle. And so, yeah, I love playing special teams. Just whatever. Whatever I got to do, you know what I'm saying? So I'm with whatever. I just want to play football. 
Well, I was, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to follow up Jake's question before we're going to go from a guy that you don't, you didn't know before the draft. I don't even know if you've met him yet uh, to a couple of guys that you probably know pretty well uh, because well, <laughs> Cleveland has the Browns organization hasn't exactly been the most popular organization with Oklahoma this offseason. <laughs> they go into this draft, this draft, and they nab not one, not two, but three Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, so you're coming here with Perry Young Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas, all three of you guys get drafted, all three of you guys from Oklahoma. Uh, how cool is that for you? Have, you? have you talked to those guys a bit? Have you, have you discussed uh, uh, you know, your excitement to come play in Cleveland? And, and how helpful is that going to be for you moving to a, a new place with some guys that you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, we definitely already talked. We, I, I FaceTimed Perry on before they picked Isaiah because as soon as I got picked, uh, they had picked Perry on early, so I FaceTimed him. We, we was current on the phone and then uh then they picked Isaiah and then we we was all we already got the group message and all that. So we excited we asking each other what number did you get and all that. So that's cool. I'm gonna know somebody out there uh off off the top. So um that's gonna be great. But uh we're all just excited for the opportunity blessing. So is Perry on the way he seems on his videos that he's doing uh after the draft? Is that just how he always is? Very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Very good thing. Passionate. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all see it on the field. Might we see it on uh, Woodville too? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys uh, document your journey together on uh, to the NFL on your YouTube channel. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here for content for your YouTube channel. Here yeah, no, nah, for on. sure. Oh yeah, I, oh, my business mind already is always running. So, uh, but uh, nah, I mean, you might. I don't know. We'll see. I like to do more like off-season training and stuff like that. Uh, and I took a little break when I went to Oklahoma just to focus up a little bit more. So, uh, but it might come back. I was going to do something for the draft, but it just didn't happen. So whenever I actually bring my camera out, honestly, when I move somewhere, that's when it'll get done because my cameras and stuff are put away right now being in the draft process. Mike, did you, did you have a chance to play? I know you were back at Arkansas. I'm sure you ran into Martin a little bit out there playing against each other. Did you have any one-on-one experience with him? You got any bragging rights going into this uh, rookie mini camp coming up, anything like that? No, nah, no, nah, I didn't get no, any experience with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know if you guys would, between Arkansas there and Mississippi State, ran into each other on the field a little uh-huh. bit. So you had an idea who he is and all that stuff uh, a little bit? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, being uh, playing in the SEC and then obviously, like, leaving the SEC for my last year, uh, I still kept up with the SEC. I'm still an SEC fan, so uh, – it's like when you're in the SEC, you don't really want to watch anybody but the SEC. But mm-hmm. um, so I still kept up with the SEC and uh, watched watched him play. So I watched everybody. Hey, one thing I wanted to catch with you, just a couple quick things before we let you go, Mike. Uh, and again, we're here with uh, Michael Woods, uh, new Cleveland Browns draft pick, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, what's kind of fascinating to me is there's a guy on this roster in that wide receiver room that's been here now for a couple of years, that's in a very similar position to you. Sixth round draft pick, but it's a guy that's made a name for himself in the NFL and actually led the Browns in receptor in receiving last year. That's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what do you think you can take? Oh, yeah. That? So, I mean, I, I watched him play in college and whatnot uh, just by keeping up with football. And you can see, like, the sparks and what somebody has and, people don't always get a chance to really, really capitalize on on the tools that they bring to the table. Um, so 
you got to see, you got to take stuff out of people's game and see what's going to translate. Uh, you know it translates. Like, you just got to look at the technique and the fundamentals of people. Like, it's not all about measurables and stuff. Like, you got to watch someone's technique and you don't know if they can tra- if their game is going to translate. So um, that didn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, some of these guys that go really high aren't going to perform how people think. And some of these guys that go low are going to exceed their expectations. It's all about fundamentals and not really getting caught in the hype in the name. So, What's your video game and why is it Call of Duty? I feel like that's a prerequisite for all football players. They got to play Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, we on the war zone all day. We about to get on the war zone after this. Uh, but I play 2K2 and Madden. But mainly I'll be on war zone. So uh, why is it war zone? Because it's the most competitive game you could play. <laughs> Mike, for the first time, you're going to see yourself in Madden. Oh, has yeah. That, I already did all the little setup. We're doing the little setup and, like, the scan and body scan and face scan and all that at the combine. It was like, wow, I'm really finna be in Madden. So, I feel like that kind of set it up. But, obviously, getting drafted, knowing what team, what number, and all that kind of stuff is like, yeah, I'm going to really be in Madden. So, uh, I mean, I'm excited to get it, uh, get it early and for free, too. I know you're going to go in there and get that equipment right, right off the bat too. No doubt about that. Got to get the vibes. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> so if you're listening, Absolutely. if you're listening, EA, get that, get those ratings up. Mike, get them up. <laughs> no, facts. I already know what it's going to be off top, but uh, like I said, I'm going to see about all that uh, in due time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. Last question I got for you before we let you get out of here, Mike. Uh, it, it, I, I think Chad asked a quintessential great question there with the video game. <clears throat> when you're coming to Cleveland, especially a guy like you that's played at Oklahoma, uh, and played in, in Arkansas. So you're kind of a Southern football kind of dude. Uh, are you ready? Are you ready for Cleveland games in December? Uh, are you ready to take those hits, uh, feel that sting, and uh, and uh, and play in the cold up here? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I play, I actually played in Arkansas, and people like to underestimate it, but it'd be like 20 degrees, sleet, rain, and all that. And I had to play in all that. So, I mean, uh, I got a little, little experience with it in um, – Playing in Missouri was freezing too, but uh, my family—I got family up in Indiana and Chicago and whatnot. So I visit them every year, so I, I know what to expect. We visit around Christmas time too, so I know what to expect. Uh, so yeah, I'm ready. Perfect, you're a step ahead. Perfect. Yep. You're up. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Y'all got to tell me some food spots in Cleveland too. <laughs> So where I got to go eat. <clears throat> My man, I can help you with that. I, I know, I think all of them. I think I know all of okay. them. Okay. <laughs> okay. You just got to tell us what you like to eat, but there's a lot. Of, you're coming to a really good food spot in Cleveland. Okay, we're going to have to get in touch. We will do that. We will do that. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to let Mike get to Call of Duty. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we let him go? No, no nothing but uh, positive wishes for you, man. We're really pulling for you. I know that uh, guys, that, Kev, that, that Andrew and Kevin draft, they they favor them and they see something in you. And as we watch us break down your tape and all that stuff, man, we can't wait to see you when the preseason gets here and all the best. Appreciate you. Take care. Mike Mabel's, Woods. Mike, Mabel's Barbecue. It's Michael Simon's Barbecue Joint downtown. Okay. Okay. I'm going to let you know how it is, too. <laughs> better, man. Better. <laughs> Go check right. out Mike Woods' YouTube channel. Follow him online, and obviously we'll be, like Jake said, we'll be keeping track, Mike, uh, as we go through the whole process, and uh, we'll be definitely pulling for you big time. Welcome to Cleveland. Welcome to the Browns. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to get the new Madden to see Mike Woods in there. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me today.
All right, and that was newest Browns wide receiver, Mike Woods Jr. Uh, boys, man, that was – what a fun time that is. What a what a lucky thing that we're able to do. We always talk about how lucky we are here on the Garage Beers podcast and, and, and on the OBR as well. Uh, to be able to sit down and talk with a dude just a couple of days after he finds out that he's drafted, that he's going to play in the NFL, uh, he's going to be in Madden. Uh, I mean – just such good vibes from Mike Woods. He's so excited to get here. Uh, and, and you know, those are the kind of things. There's going to be a lot of Mike Woods fans if he does interviews like that because uh, just a really likable guy and a guy that we'll all be pulling for. Jake, yeah, you're was, muted. That you was a great interview. I am muted 100%. Yeah, I think he's he seems like a sharp guy, man. And it's like you're catching him two days after Dream realized, right? You know, like that's – uh that's what that's what it is and he's you know you're riding high and all that stuff so it's it's great great answers from him he um i think it's fair to say that he has the toughest path of any andrew berry drafted player to make a roster so i'm really pulling for him that's why i wanted to sort of feel him out on some slot stuff and special teams and he had great answers for those things because those will be the things he needs to be able to make the roster so um a lot of people who covered the draft are kind of saying uh, that they don't really think he's going to make the 53. And I hate that stuff for a guy who was drafted. So I'm really pulling for him. I hope it works out. Yeah. Andrew, when you guys were doing, were you, were you part of the day three draft stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. So what was the, what was the consensus when you saw Mike Woods? What were your thoughts when you saw that pick? I think it was, yeah, it was, it was a little, little bit like the Emerson pick just in terms of a surprise, you know, uh, from a value perspective with the other guys that were on the board, but. Uh, so it was like, you know, who's I that? Mean, yeah, there was, yes, that was the vibe <laughs> for sure. Yeah um and then you you know you go through the draft guide and i think dane brugler had him as a priority free agent and you know but uh you know i mean i i I saw in the comments earlier somebody had a question about the the speed testing at the combine versus the gps and you know we know that the the browns use that college data that they've got chips in their shoulder pads and that tells you how fast they're going and so you know i think to a certain extent it could be a little bit of a cop-out because you could just be like well they must know something that we don't but at the same time they do know things that we don't. And when you get to the sixth round, that stuff I'm sure plays an outsized role. Well, and that, that's what I asked. That's what I asked him about in the interview. <clears throat> the Browns have a shining example of a guy that was drafted in the sixth round that, yep. you know, that, that made his way. And is, he was the, the number one receiver on their team last year. Well, uh, and I loved his answer too. Cause he's, he, he's, he knows the score, right? He said, you know, Donovan didn't get the chances he should have gotten in college because of the quarterback situation in Michigan. I mean, he know he knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk real quickly about, let's go just, I, I only want to talk positives about this guy now. <laughs> now we've, now he came on the show with us. I only want to talk positives about Mike Woods. So if Mike Woods does what they hope he can do, what, what's the ceiling look like for Mike Woods? I guess that's directed to me. Um, <laughs> I I don't really opinion. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't. I don't. I haven't studied enough of him yet. If he's a vertical route runner, I don't know, man. I really don't know. And I hate to give up a fake answer here. So I'm just gonna say I need to study him. I did not take the time to study his tape pre-draft. So I was as blindsided as Andrew was referencing just a few minutes ago. I think it's okay to say that every now and again and not act like you have every answer um, under the <laughs> under the draft guys of like Dane Brugler and these guys who spend just forever doing this stuff yearly. 
So I will do my best when I watch his tape and, um, you know, post his film room to give you that answer. So I don't really know yet. I need to watch more of it. I will say he left Arkansas when there was a quarterback issue, right? They, they did not have the KJ Jefferson version they did last year when he was there. And to be honest, it was one of the more uneven Oklahoma quarterback seasons we've seen in recent memory with Spencer Rattler failing out and Caleb Williams coming on, but he didn't come on until sort of midway through the year. And how much time did he get to work with that young man and all that stuff? So there's a lot of elements there. So I think Andrew is spot on about some of the GPS data things that there has got to be a reason that they took a flyer on this guy. To me, it screams they wanted him because of the, uh, testing of the things we may not know they just like the person they might like the special team spit and all of that together equals a guy you know in the sixth seventh round you're just trying to find guys who you think have a shot to make your roster yeah yeah and i think they think that that's the case here he has a shot and he could have a nice uh he has a good body type to eventually develop if he continues to get comfortable against nfl competition my, my answer on best case scenario for him is like you remember guys like uh, ben gay way back in the day hell yeah Love yeah. Ben Gay. All right, so so we want a guy that the fans love, that plays his ass off on special teams, that shows out every preseason, has like 150 yards against whoever in the second week of the preseason, <laughs> and then gets a shot every now and again. You know, mm-hmm. Derek Willies, right? Guys like that. That's think fair. Like, think like a mixture of like Kenny Britt and Dwayne Bow, but like <laughs> okay, with like twice the attitude. Yeah, yeah. Like year two Terrell Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> no, jeez. Uh, no, I like this. I like this point by Paul Spencer in the comments. Whether they make uh, the team or not, these guys all, no matter where they land in the draft, they're human beings with compelling stories, and that's why we loved uh, having Mike on and getting the chance to talk to him and just learning a little bit about him. Jake, you asked so many good X's and O's questions. And then we wanted to just find out a little about him. The dude likes to eat. So he's going to like Cleveland because Cleveland is a vastly underrated food city. And uh, and he likes playing video games and he likes hanging with his girlfriend. And it was cool to just kind of talk to this guy and get to know him. So we really do appreciate it. And we do wish him nothing but success. You know we're going to be pulling for him like crazy. Chad, what was his YouTube channel called? Woodville. 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 So if you want to check him out, Woodville elite, on YouTube. Elite YouTube name. That's, yeah, that's an elite name. That is an elite name. Uh, okay, guys, real quick, uh, round seven. We're just going to lump these two together. Uh, his Oklahoma, uh, Woods, Oklahoma uh, teammate, Isaiah Thomas, defensive end. And to uh, wrap things up, who was it? Uh, Dawson Deaton? Yep. Uh, the center. Uh, two, uh, two seventh-round picks. Is there, any, is there any thoughts on either one of those guys uh, from anybody? I just want to go circle back to Woodville for a second. It is <laughs> – it's been, it's an elite YouTube name, but also potentially a failed Facebook game in 2016. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to throw that out there. I love um, it. You collect yeah, that, wood. That's, yeah. where I was, that's where I was going. It's like a baseball name, like David Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Woodville. I think he plays uh, shortstop. David Bell. <laughs> it's Logan Woodville. Um, <laughs> was the Logan Wood side, wasn't there? Like, a yeah, that's who it is. That's who it yeah. is. He's a quarterback, right? I'm yeah. still trying to picture how terribly difficult the horse would have it if perry on winfrey was playing polo mm. oh, be that horse would be struggling that would have to be a a, a built horse it's a working funny. horse be a, yeah no boy it's woodville clydesdale polo on clydesdale contact polo uh so um, yeah on, on 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 either uh oh isaiah thomas we'll start there topic. isaiah thomas is a little older but if you talk to the people at oklahoma 
they will tell you that this guy's talented. He is a big-bodied guy who can get after the quarterback a little bit. They think he has a real shot to be a fourth or third rusher. Like he, They think that's the upside for him. He's wow. drafted late because he's an older player. That's typically the range that this is all circulating towards. Like now everybody wants younger talent at earlier points in the draft. And there's a belief that he can be a, a roster player here who has a almost Tack McKinley-like role uh, eventually of being a rotational pass rusher. So um, I do think I do think there's real potential there. And then I have not – I've seen some of him. I have not seen Dawson. Deaton, Deaton Dawson. I don't know how his name. I need to watch him. So, you okay. know, we're a couple of days moved from the draft, but they seem to really like. They want what I see them doing is there, and they spend a lot of money on free undrafted free agent. I cannot remember Ben something. What's Ben's last name? I cannot think of his last name. Oh, yeah, from Boston yeah. College. Yeah, they spend a lot of money on him, so they're really trying to add O line depth through cheap fashion. And so, this tells me Ethan Pochich, this young man. Nick Harris, somebody take the center role. Somebody yep. earn it. It's it's available to whoever plays the best. So that's the that's the hunch I get. Patchouli. Nick Ben Patrula. 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 That's it. Ben Patrula. You You're handling it. this really well. I love it. It's going well. Uh, but yeah, but no, I, as far as Isaiah Thomas goes, uh, Todd McShay had him at a mid fifth round grade, if that tells you guys anything. Yeah. And a great basketball name. I don't know why I feel that way, but it just feels yeah. like a really great basketball uh, name. No, I think I think definitely baseball, uh, mm. for sure. Uh, Andrew, anything on either of those guys in the seventh round? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so that wraps the Browns' draft. They were picked. So, they were picked. Yeah. That's what they were. Yeah. Ron, are you listening? Nope. <laughs> What's diversity? I believe it's an old wooden ship. It's, uh, they're twitchy. Just they're twitchy. Very yeah. twitchy they're athletes. twitchy. Violent yeah. hands. Great first Violent. step. Verse step is out of this world. Man. That's I'm what you're looking. You. And he's a grinder for in a center. Great yep, first grind. step. Mm-hmm. Grinder sure. too. Just loves the game. Mm-hmm. Loves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Andrew, I'm going to send it back to you because you had to pass on that last one. So the question now is now what for the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, you, you've definitely answered a couple things. You've got you've got two new names in the wide receiver room. You've put some place pieces in place, uh, whether they're depth pieces or whether they're, they're guys you're going to hope are going to you're going to get more than just depth out of on that defensive line. They addressed several needs. They addressed kicker. We know what's going to happen there. That's mm-hmm. done. Yep. Uh, so now what? Well, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, I will plug my own work. I published a story earlier today at the OBR about hey, what oh. comes next with Baker Mayfield. Why do you think I asked you? Oh, hey. So we're all doing our jobs then. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think that's one of the big outstanding questions, right? Does Seattle uh, get their act together? And decide to actually play a quarterback this year or are they just going to run the single wing um <laughs> that would be awesome yeah i mean it would i would love to watch it they deserve it uh so that's one question right what happens with baker mayfield obviously the clowny thing is out there uh speaking of the obr there's a great piece on clowny today as well um and then i think you look at wide receiver if they want a little bit more speed at the position whether that's i mean will fuller is the name that everybody talks about but uh, emmanuel sanders is still out there and uh Jake, who's the guy that you really like? Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. The uh, slot guy. I'm sorry. Um, there, the well, I don't know actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe the, I'm losing my mind here. Jarvis Landry. Jim Jones. Um, Jim Jones. <laughs> 
I believe it's a Roberto Alomar. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so they've got, I think they, I, you know, I think the consensus is that there will be a few more veteran signings and I would expect Keelan Cole. To happen. There we go. Keelan Cole. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there'll be a few more veteran signings that'll happen sooner rather than later. I would expect, uh, but I could also see them standing pat till closer towards training camp. I don't think there's a ton of urgency. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're, they're going to, I, I mean, if they if they had to play a game tomorrow, I feel pretty good about it. To be perfectly honest, I like that. I just want I want to shout out to this quote right here, which reminds yeah, yeah. me of an underrated movie quote, which is, "What is his five year plan? Don't die." <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there for the world. Yeah, and that, uh, does, that summarizes it, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the task at hand. And I think, you know, the other question is, what do we hear anything about Deshaun Watson between now and and August? Yeah. yeah. Jake, who on the right? They can't. Ride? They really I'll... can't suck, though. If they suck, it's going to be miserable. It's going to be so miserable. They're not gonna yep. suck. They're not I'm just telling you, it's um, going to be miserable. Don't mm. suck, I Jake. Agree. Now that you've seen what's going on in the draft, and then maybe just kind of thinking about what you think they may do with a couple of these. There's still good veteran names available. I talked about this on our draft show. I expect that free agent market to open back up over the next couple of weeks, and some of these names to be off the board sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who on the team from last year would you say, who are the guys that are kind of in trouble? Who are the guys, or maybe not just in trouble, but guys that you think, we talked about running backs, guys that you think uh, that guy may not be around when the, when the season starts? Like guys currently on the roster right now? Yeah, correct. Um, I would say uh, Troy Hill was a bit of a surprise, even though it's come and gone. That was a bit of a surprise. Um, makes sense now, but surprising then. Uh, based on who they drafted, one of the two of Weatherly and Rochelle are out. I think you got Winovich, and I think you got, uh, you know, I think you got Isaiah Thomas that'll push, and then you have Alex Wright, and then it's like, okay, you know, if Clowney comes back, that pushes one more out the door. I'm trying to think of guys like they're too thin at D tackle, offensive line. No, it's definitely running back as we sit here. Like it's 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 running back in terms of one or two of those guys are going to go. I, I just think that. One at the minimum. That's just hard to see. They're not so deep at, at some of these other spots that they'll be able to just cut people. So um, there'll be some guys like Drew Forbes, some people who we've been seeing if they'll develop could be, eventually be cut. Some guys that have been hanging around the end of those positions. But I still think they have some work to do, man. Like I really think they should go give you know Clowney whatever he wants for a year or two, and then I think they should go give Akeem Hicks a contract as well to shore up that group up front and go four deep to potentially five deep on the defensive tackle group. And then you have a nice setup there. So um, that's probably it off the top of my head, too thin at receiver, too thin at tight end for anybody serious to be let go. And they're still too thin with, with Conklin coming back, still too thin to project some other people might go. So um, I think it's more addition than subtraction right now. I still think they're in addition. I'll tell you, one sneaky name that I think we should watch, and I, you know, this is not, not, not a lot of people are talking about this, but Baker Mayfield could be on his way up. <laughs> I've heard that. I've actually what? heard, some, yeah. yeah, I've heard some things. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Mayfield thing is the first to me, like the first domino. They've got to figure out where that goes. You cannot let that continue to fester. Um, I guess not. It's not the festering part. It's it's like, what is the decision going to be? The two things in quarterback right. room, what's the suspension for Watson? And then what is Mayfield staying away? Did they Have you guys made a deal to keep him yep. away? Um, all of that stuff. So there's huge ramifications there, huge ramifications, wide receiver, 
if they're going to sign a guy at running back, are they going to let a guy go, trade him, whatever. Um, offensive line's pretty set. Defensive line, are they going to add a guy both at edge and at D tackle? Yeah. And then I think everything else defensively is pretty much set in stone. Corner group, but the corner, the only thing to pay attention to a corner is who do they think their slot guy is? That's what they have to decide and show us. We don't have any idea right now. I know last year when they did rookie mini camp, they kind of tipped their hand about Newsom playing some slot. So you really yeah. need to pay attention to the quotes coming out of these mini camp sessions that they have and OTAs to see if you get any indications one way or the other. Love it. Uh, Chad, anything you got before uh, before we get out of here? Is there any are there any names floating out there that you've seen that you're like I'd like to see that guy with the Browns? I, I mean, Jake already touched on it. Akeem Hicks. I mean, yeah. I, I really think that this team needs to shore up the depth on that defensive line, you know, as well as receiver. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody knows the names that are out there for wide receiver as far as veterans go. Uh, but but the one name I really would like to see in the fold here with the Browns by the time you know you, you know maybe training camp or mid-training camp rolls around is Akeem Hicks because I, I really think he could add a lot to that defensive line. But I, I, I don't want to open a can of worms here, but I do want just a very quick thing. You brought up Baker Mayfield, Andrew. Yeah. Love talking about I mean, I mean, we're right now at a point, we're right now at a point where no team wants, Seattle came out today and said, nope, we are not interested in the Baker Mayfield yep. situation. So are we at the point officially where Baker's probably on this team when camp starts. I mean, are we are we at the point now where it's we're waiting for a starting quarterback to get hurt somewhere, and then a team needs a Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I mean they're in a they're in a gross position, right? Because you don't the the entire idea of like, oh, that guy got hurt. That's good news. That's that, that sucks. Like that's a terrible way to think. It's a terrible way to right? you know live. Uh, it feels awful. Um, you know, I think that there's a chance that at some point he gets tired of, you know, doing whatever he's doing. Uh, and uh, he comes to the Browns and says, you know, I saw somebody in the chat say something about a buyout. I mean, they can if he wants to give up the majority of his salary, they'll cut him, you know. But uh, I, I mean, I at this point, I think he's probably happy to just wait on the check and, and assume he's going to get traded at some point. I mean, his his self-belief is legendary. I mean, we all know that. So. <laughs> So many uh, chips on those shoulders. Yeah, it's, it's so it's many a whole bag of ruffles up there, man. <laughs> He's got so, a bag of ruffles. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's a mess, and uh, it, it. I think Jake's point about the certainty that some sort of movement there would provide is really great because that's the whole thing. Is they've got cap space right now, but you don't. They don't ever run close to the cap. They've never once since Barry's been here gone anywhere near the cap. So. They want to hold that probably, and I think I think it's reasonable. If they don't sign guys this week, I think it's reasonable to assume that they're waiting on a Mayfield resolution. Got it. All right, guys, uh, this has been awesome. It was fun talking to Mike Woods. It was fun going over all the Browns draft picks with you. Some of the in-depth stuff that you guys were able to provide us was awesome. We do like to finish with one segment, and, and because you're here, you're going to have to get lo- uh, looped in on this, and I didn't even tell you this. So I'm going to make you – I'm going to give you time to think, and I'll go first. But we like to finish on a positive note here on the Garage Beers podcast. So we always finish with our three cheers of the week. And they can be personal. They can be sports. Just something good. Just something good to to, to send us into the rest of the week. Uh, and so I'll start. And I am going to shout out a restaurant that I went to this weekend in Annapolis. It's a little tiny place called Cantler's Riverside Inn. And it was rated as the number one seafood place in Maryland. But it's not like a hoity-toity place. It's like on a river uh, just north of Annapolis. 
And it's one of those places they just put the paper down on the table and they bring you your dozen crabs, whole crabs, and just dump them out on the table in front of you. And I have never had such a good meal as I had at Cantler's Riverside Inn, just north of Annapolis, Maryland. That is a three cheer of the week. You look at I, the food. You can't see the belly, but it exists. <laughs> I love me some food. It was and, there before. Uh, it's, it's always been there. Uh, uh, I love I love a good meal, and I love a good spot. And this is like a legendary spot that that uh, you kind of have to know about, I guess. And we were lucky to get informed about it. Uh, but it made my whole made my whole week. So Cantler's Riverside Inn gets my cheer of the week. Uh, who's got a cheer of the week? Week? Who wants one? Who's got something positive? Chad, you, you're going. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, I've got two of them. I, I'm going to cheers my two favorite draft stories uh, from the from this past draft. Uh, the first one goes to Seattle uh, because for the for the longest time, I mean, it's it was my basically my favorite draft uh, from a team standpoint uh, of this this draft for so long. Russ went. I'm running for my life back there. I need help. I need O-line help. And they're like, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. You can run. Yeah. You, you can you can elude uh, pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. You're really good at that. But now they're like, you know what? We've got Drew. We should probably get him some O-line help. And they, <laughs> you know, the draft. So that is my first uh, cheers. So way to go, Seattle, on that. Uh, my second goes to Derek Stingley, Jr., Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, basically reset the path for uh, young defensive backs here uh, to get to the NFL. All you really have to do is have one good year, and then you just kind of coast. You just, <laughs> just kind of coast. You're like, you know what? I, my foot really hurts. I got to sit out this one. And then, but you know, we're going to end up a top 10 pick. So, way to go, Derek Stingley Jr. and the Seahawks. That's my cheers of the week. Love it. Uh, Andrew. You got something something positive you want to share? I do, absolutely. Um, so Hector Gomez, who is an MLB insider, uh, and I think he's in uh, Hispanic media. I don't for Z one hundred one Digital. I don't know exactly where he's from, but he's connected with Jose Ramirez. So my my cheers of the week is for Jose Ramirez because yes. he's one of my favorite uh, Guardians players of the past. I mean, gosh, ever forever, right? Yeah, he's one of the best of all Stole time. Stole mine, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Get thinking, uh, Dick. His his quote today was, "I got to a point where I had to decide between the option of being traded or signing the extension. I finally decided to stay in Cleveland, even though I'm aware that my market value is greater than what they offered me. I want to finish my career in Cleveland." So, just to be clear, he's saying publicly that he got lowballed, and instead oh, of sure. getting upset and walking away, which he had every right to do. He decided to come back, and that is, first of all, it's very rare in this day and age. And I don't, by the way, I don't blame athletes. Right, get your money. Like, for sure, it's it's not you know it's not around forever. So get your money. But that quote, and to say it out loud, that this yeah. organization is so cheap, and he knows <laughs> that it's so cheap, and he didn't care. He wanted to come back anyway. That's that's like six cheers, man. That's so cool. And man, I mean, like to be that good and that grounded what a great guy yeah i think that 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 like he's what everybody has always wanted um you know you always wanted you wanted manny and tommy and all these guys to take and i'm with you andrew i'm totally in the belief of like man get your money you only get one chance at this 
I'm more yes. mad at Cleveland than happy with them for, you know, I, I, I get really bummed out when they don't give people what they're worth. You know, like I, I get, I get mad when people get mad at the players, you know, mm-hmm. like, like mad at Jim Tomey for taking more, like, okay, pay him what he's worth. If the money's even, then I get it, but it's not, the money's not even, you should pay these guys. So right. anyway, yeah, like Jose finally said what you've dreamed every Cleveland athlete would say, especially yep. baseball related since it's so hard to, uh, to keep guys. So yeah, he definitely deserves the praise. The, the, the one I want to get on blast too, which I really yeah. like. He said, I know I'm worth more. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. The thing I wanted to point out was in, in, in you wrote this, Andrew was the homepage, the Browns, uh, are set to make a humongous hire. They're set to make a really high, a huge hire Love to their it. front office. It's Catherine. I think is her last name pronounced Rache. I'm not sure. The, That's a good question. It, I, I think it's Rache. R A I C H E. Rache. Yeah, she's French Canadian, um, so I would guess it is probably Rache. I yeah. think the Browns have gotten a lot of justifiable scrutiny this offseason. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. a lot of justifiable scrutiny, a lot of heat, but they do not get enough credit for being on the forefront of hires, both racially different uh, different racial hires doing fantastic work with that and bringing women into the organization and i think that that has been something not talked about enough um and again they deserve a lot of the flack that they have received this offseason uh but i do think that they have been on the forefront of that stuff and they don't get enough credit uh for it so i wanted to give them a little credit for for that hire this is not a uh brown's confirmed hire yet i don't think andrew you can probably uh, allude a little more to that but it is um, being really confirmed uh, here out in, in front the, of the, in right? the media, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Browns have not announced it, but it seems like it's a done deal, and I think that's a great that's a great call by you, Jake. And I, I agree with you that they had not. I mean, they started to get a little bit of love for Quasey getting that job in Minnesota, but they've been doing mm-hmm. this since Andrew Barry walked in the door. Yeah, and even back to Stashi and Hugh, yeah, and yeah, 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 they've been on the forefront of this stuff, yep. man. They've done yep. a really nice and job it's, of it. It's probably the one thing the Haslam's deserve credit for, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that's spending money. I would agree. All right, guys, those are our cheers of the week, and that means that's going to do it for episode 115. A little bit of a long episode here, but there was so much to go over uh, and so much fun we had. Uh, but uh, the last order of business for us is just to send out our thank yous. Our first thank you to our special guest, uh, Mike Woods Jr. Uh, jumping on with us, the one of the newest Cleveland Browns. Uh, really, really great talking to Mike Woods Jr. What, what's that, Chad? Mike Woods the second. No, whatever. It's two Junior the second. It's the same thing. It does know. matter. You it does know. matter. You're Prefer skipping a human being there, Mike. You're skipping a human being. Can't yeah, skip him. What a dick. Isn't Junior and the second the same thing? Oh, how have you lived your whole life not knowing this? <laughs> you didn't know that. No, what are you talking about? Junior and the oh, second is boy. the same thing. I just am glad this is on record right now. That's it's the I'm same glad. thing. It's no. junior and then the third. No, 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 no. All right. You guys are crazy. You guys, I'm going to look this are up. Are we now. crazy? Yes. Are we crazy? Okay. There's no difference between junior and the second. <laughs> you, you really believe that? Thing. Yes. Are we going to hang up with you believing that? Thing. <laughs> yes. We're all leaving knowing that I believe that. Okay. I've, I've never seen a junior and then a second and then a third. Okay. <laughs> you guys are crazy. Andrew, I feel like I think I agree with Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's that's the guy with the books. That's the guy that reads the books. <laughs> We're not leaving until we Google machine this. Hold on. This is, this is a fake background, man. That's the guy with that reads the books that just agreed with me. Uh it's a wallpaper. Uh, thank you to Mike Woods, the second, AKA Mike Woods Jr. for jumping on with us. 
and talking. It was great to get to know him, the person, the player, and we're really going to be pulling for him. A huge, huge uh, thank you goes out to you two, Jake and Andrew, uh, jumping on, going the whole length of the show with us, our OBR brothers here. Make sure you're following both Jake and Andrew. Don't get confused that Andrew is Nick Fantana, his online personality, but uh, make sure you're following these guys. They've got all kinds of great stuff that comes out pretty much every single day uh, from them. So thank you to you guys for jumping on with us. Uh, Thank you goes out to, again, the OBR, our home network. Uh, we love being a part of the OBR. We love, uh, we love the support we get guys like you, uh, and everybody else. And, uh, uh, so make sure you are following the OBR, make sure you're subscribed to the Twitch and the website for all the information, whether it is live like this or whether it is written up the way these guys do so, so well, uh, make sure you're following that. Thank you to the OBR. And as always, our biggest cheers and our biggest thank you goes out to you whether you joined us live here tonight the comment section was ablaze all night we loved it uh thank you for your participation and for joining us tonight live if you didn't join us live and you're either watching this on demand or listening to it on our obr podcast network uh thank you for the support please make sure you are subscribed following us uh uh, and uh and we really do appreciate it chad go ahead oh it is two different things it is two different things. I'm yeah. still not buying it. Junior is when the child is being named directly after his father, and the second is when the child is named after an earlier male relative. Like, a mm. wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I stand corrected. Much like I say to my wife, Michael let me hear you second. say it. Let me hear you say it. I'm not doing. No, I'm not. I doing was. I was. Ru- I was. Ru- ru- just like your <laughs> wife has never said that to you ever. Yeah, that's true. That's I will also. I'm not starting that trend. I was wrong. Uh, I was wrong. I, I'm not going to be responsible for the next argument when you're like, well, Mike Keefe said he was wrong. I'm not no. going to be a part of that. I'm not. Uh, anyways, again, thank you to everybody. Follow everybody, uh, whether it's me, Chad, Joey at Garage Beers, Mike at Garage Beers, Chad at Garage Beers, Joe, the Garage Beers on all the socials. Uh, and again, give us a subscribe, a follow. We really appreciate that. But for Andrew, for Jake, for Chad, I am Michael Keith. This has been episode 115 of the Garage Beers Podcast. Until next week, cheers, everybody. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com